Hey, you just heard So What from Ministries, in case you didn't feel like showing up live. This is uh, Spring Quarantine Edition 2020. I'm uh, Mark. And I'm Jason. Yeah, the Patreon show. So, yeah. Um, we, are, we are in uncharted territory today because this is the first episode you and I have ever done. We've always made a point of, point of pride to, uh, to be present. But, um, you know, desperate time call for desperate measures. Physical so distancing. We yeah, we are, uh, are going to practice social distancing. And if this works out pretty well, this is, um, I think, probably something, at least from a Patreon angle, something Mark and I could probably do um, a little bit more regularly through this process. Um, because God knows I've got a lot of free time. And even if it's just like you know, an hour and a half, one evening when Mark's done doing his, uh, his time labor that he was explaining to me before. Um, <laughs> uh, then we, you know, like it, it could be something really nice. Um, especially as kind of a distractor. I, I got a yeah. lot of really good feedback from people on the Facebook site that thanked us for, um, I put a couple of free episodes, uh, free Patreon episodes up for people. And I just said, Hey, look, you know, we don't do this to like make profit, but I know people are looking for, you know, distractors or just like you've, you've exhausted all your podcasts. If you're just stuck at home and yeah. we can give you a couple extra bonus episodes, why the hell not? You know? Um, it, in fact, I kind of invited some people into the mighty, uh, Raven dark warrior group, uh, that's on Facebook, even though if they're not patrons, um, like a few people that, you know, I interact with quite a bit or have been long-term friends of ours, uh, that maybe just, you know, don't donate, um, just to give them something, you know? So like, I guess if, you know, um, Dan Zadar, who Mm -hmm. goes back to the Requiem days, uh, Joe Schaefer, who did the tribulation show with us, um, Mark Coughlin, who's goes back to the record store days and is the uh, owner of Solar Ghost. Um, Jason Duza, who is the former student of mine, who is the the main host for um, the Into the Combine podcast, uh, who they have a patron show. I just know he he likes our stuff quite a bit, and I just figured, you know, why not? Um, sure. He's got a young child at home. Uh, he's he's a new parent, and so he's probably, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever he can do. Um, you know, there's a few others, too, that are pretty interactive with us uh, and have been for years. And I know our big fans of the podcast, Brad Nelker, Ryan Olson, um, and Jason Leonard, uh, and then Jay Manchild Wu. I don't know if that's his uh, – I, th- I think it's kind of a nickname, but he does a lot of really, like, awesome surveys, metal surveys, and, and just is pretty interactive and stuff. And so I said, hey, look, you know, I'm not extending this to everyone, but uh, – I thought I'd invite a few people in that, that maybe could, could get a little bit more access, even if it's just through this process. Sure. And, and um, we do have a new patron uh, to welcome. It's actually a friend of ours, uh, Lisa Krauss. Uh, ah, very nice. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, yeah thank you, Lisa. <laughs> and um, I think, I, I don't know who I got last time, but I'll just mention, if I mentioned these names before, I figure it's worth mentioning. But, you know, oh, oh we have another one, too, that I know for sure joined since then. And he's... Um, He's a guy I interact with quite a bit on Twitter, uh, Stephen Combs. Uh, he's a good guy. I can't remember wh- where he's from. I want to say Chicago, but maybe I'm just thinking of Brian Wendorf. Um, he's also a big comics guy, so he might have kind of followed you back you know, in, in some of the art sort of stuff as well. Okay. Um, Ivan Lee, Jeffrey Paris, and Jordan Bondo. I think we mentioned a couple of those names last time, but, hey, it can't hurt, I guess. So, they're still here. Thank you. They are. They are. So, 
Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just tough times, weird times, man. So how are you surviving everything? Uh, I'm, an, I'm just trying to, I'm just taking on big projects. I've got, uh, I cleaned my basement better than I've ever cleaned it in my life and then built a new room down there. For uh, Requiem South, right? <laughs> For the, yeah, it's basically going to be my art studio, so that's the, my music room won't be double duty in, anymore. So, But it basically looks like a recording studio. It's got a huge window in it, double doors that open up, and I spent about 30 bucks. Everything else is just shit I had in the house already. Oh, that's awesome. So it's spray and painted it, and so that's I've been doing that like every day. Cool. And then working on the house, and then my wife's digging up the whole backyard to make a huge new pond. <laughs> so, yeah, and she's working from home too, so it's like she she works for a couple hours and goes outside and does some shit, and then goes back and works some more and does some meditative things. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, right now I have no jobs whatsoever. I, I had two big ones before, so the, my only literally my only income right now is uh, is from patrons. <laughs> <laughs> but do, it's, uh, it's fine. I'll, I'm going to get some government money here pretty soon. I think. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, and you just did a couple of uh, pretty pretty incredible murals right that did did some good damage for you in terms of oh yeah some some money to kind of sit back on a little bit yeah so. i did like a do tribute poster and uh the funny thing is i did two posters for upcoming events that i don't know if they're going <laughs> to be postponed or not but i already got paid so yeah you know. that's good that's good i know <laughs> um death fest just like basically changed this year's lineup to next year's lineup i yeah, saw that that's today. cool um you know, I've got tickets to Psycho Las Vegas. I don't know if that's going to go. I mean, it's like late August, but but you know, I don't we'll see what happens. See things changing quite a, you know too much, but we'll we'll kind of see how things play out. Um, yeah, and then obviously I was super pumped to go see Chris and um, <laughs> go to the beer, you know, Decibel Beer and Metal Fest. Yeah, but that is that is not going to happen. Yeah, there were a lot of really good concerts. I think that Rotting Christ show was supposed to be like the other day. Um, yeah, uh, a couple days ago, um, the Temple of Void was supposed to have their uh, record release show. Yeah, that's midnight, that was canceled. Midnight was supposed to play a couple days ago, so they're you know, and I know once I was getting back from Philly from Death and uh, you know Beer Fest, there was going to be um, the the new album band Satan was going to be playing around your parts and. Yeah, with like Night Demon and Bewitcher or something, and yeah, so you know that I mean, got that actually that got pushed to next year too. Yeah, yeah. So and so I think Riding Christ as well, but our friend Stavros, uh, I was giving him shit about that. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I know because it's not going to happen. <laughs> he missed him last time, but at least we're recording the Hellenic Metal series for him to make yeah. up for. Yeah, so I'm sure he'll appreciate he, it. He gets something out of. It. But yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been pretty wild from you know my standpoint as a teacher because we've been trying to like kind of create some some kind of avenues to try and find a way to teach classes you know from home. But the problem is is like the governor of our state has more or less said that you can't everything has to be sort of enrichment and you can't really be graded, which I get because like I was telling Mark before, like we have like internet access problems so like you mm-hmm. can put a bunch of stuff online but like there's not like equitable sort of access to that and so like you don't want to punish like kids who are already maybe you know economically you know <laughs> lacking you know or something like that or technologically yeah. lacking like double you know whack them down so it's tricky to move forward with classes and like like i'm trying to teach a film class online you know so the only thing i really did is um did you ever watch that 15 part story of film series with that guy from Northern Ireland uh, that I told you about when I was on Netflix a few years ago? 
Yeah, I watched some of it, I think. I don't okay. think I got yeah. through the whole thing. but It's incredible. It's really, really good. And so <clears throat> I used clips of it um, in class, but I just basically had a guy rip all 15 episodes for me and uploaded them on Google Classroom. And Sweet. Yeah, so I mean, it's I'm, I'm trying, but I, you know, and I know I've gotten a lot of messages from kids that basically have said thank you for like creating some stability for us. Like we just wanted something to do, you know, and, and some, some normalcy kids, again. Yeah, and some kids reach out, and some kids haven't even checked any of the messages that I've sent them. So it's like hit or miss, you know. But well, this is the, win, win yeah, it off. the first time. I'm, this is the first time in my life since I was like 12 years old where it feels like Christmas break. Yeah. Like yeah. unlimited potential. I don't have any responsibilities except for what I have to do in the house. I can kind of yeah. make my own hours, do whatever I want. I'm trying to keep that kind of mindset and not get too down and like, this is the fucking end. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was talking to um, the tour company that I travel with, uh, is EF Tours. I was talking to my travel rep today and I said, yeah. I said, I'm actually in a pretty good place, like mentally compared to other people. For one thing, I, I'm an only child. Uh, mm-hmm. I live I live alone anyways. Um, Keep yourself so occupied. <laughs> I'm just used to like kind of, yeah, I'm used to like social distancing from that standpoint. But I also said like because of my background as like a history guy, like I tend to be kind of like a cynical like realist. And, um, I, you know, I think cynical people like survive well in these situations, whereas I think like optimistic people are the ones who maybe are feeling this like a little bit worse, perhaps. I don't I don't know. Like, that's just kind of like a kind of a bullshit insight to it. But like, I'm not surprised by stuff like this because I've been sort of seeing, you know, the disaster of whether it be climate change or just like, you know, I've studied the end of civilizations or like you know, I've studied the black plague or, you know, like how all this sort of stuff works. And I'm not saying that that's what this situation is, yeah. but I just tend to be more like, yeah, okay. This, this makes sense that, you know, we're overpopulated and there's going to be some like nature kickback and we've done factory farms and, you know, fucked up like the food system with, you know, animals and like the things that we've ingested and, you know, yeah. there was going to be like a, a break in the, the link or something somewhere. So well, I was talking to my 80 year old neighbor a couple of days ago from a, from a eight feet away. So I had to yell, oh, yell pretty good. Home improvement, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the, he was like, ah, I think it's probably just a big hoax. I don't know. I was like, well, you know, we haven't had anything really terrible happen to us since like what Pearl Harbor? Something that yeah, really affected 9/11. everybody. Yeah, I mean, nine eleven didn't affect everybody though. So, sure, I get you. Yeah, you know, like emotionally. Yeah, yeah we, but we like we need to learn how to sacrifice as a country, mm-hmm. and maybe this will show that the way our president is reacting now is not who we want to be. You know, somebody that's in crisis. This is like he seems like he's annoyed and that he has to like talk to people. Well, and and I think this is like kind of the. Not to get too, like, kind of social or political, but, hey, this is our patrons. They don't care. They, yeah. they know what they've signed up for. But it's, it's I think, the idea of, like, it, it's kind of a chance to, like, explore the soul of our country, like, who we want to be. Like, mm-hmm. we've sort of committed to this sort of rampant kind of um, kind of calculated um, emotionless kind of capitalism that we've sort of bowed down to. And I'm not saying I'm not, like, trying to make, like, an anti-capitalist statement here, but I think there's – We've, we've sort of been out of balance for a while and you've seen like, you know, people on minimum wage and in and, and the middle class kind of suffering the fate of that the last few decades, you know, mm-hmm. really like kind of the, the like mid 70s, especially in the early 80s when Reagan kind of started to change the tax structure. Yeah. And I think now like everybody kind of all of a sudden just felt like a massive pinch and maybe we have to like kind of think like, do we want to stay this kind of 
individualistic kind of selfish kind of like society or do we want to think a little bit more collectively and not like communist collective or anything but um no but maybe we could have businesses pay taxes and things like that you know like you know how you know if you're making 80 billion like what would happen if you made 65 billion instead of 80 billion like you know like you're still going to need the jobs that you create. That's not, that shouldn't be an incentive because you're a job creator that you should get. That's no, that's just how shit works. Well, and at a certain point, like you, and I've studied the statistics. I've, I've looked into this, but like, you know, like people, when you're given, there are, there is some job creation that's created, but at a certain point when, um, yeah, but basically just, just, you know, just trying to kind of think about who we want to be as a society a little bit but um oh i think the point i was going to make before we had a little technological kind of influx thing is that um people don't people just generally like big corporations send a lot of that money to um like offshore accounts really they're mm-hmm. not like re- recirculating it back into the economy and you know and that's you know like i said how many people are affected by the stock market, like, directly, you know what I mean? Like, we've sort of judged our society based on, like, hey, the stock market's going up, so everything must be great. Yeah, but that's the complete fallacy. That's just really more <laughs> of, like, a, like, sure, is stock market important? Absolutely, because we need businesses, the big, you know, to be, like, successful, and, and, and there's definitely a correlation. I'm not, like, naive enough to, like, not see that, but it's it's more of an indirect kind of thing, you know? It's, yeah, it's not the be-all end-all. I don't think all of our, like... You know, retirement should be wrapped up in that stuff either. It's it's too risky. Yeah, it's it's some pretty wild stuff. But uh, on a different note, what I was gonna, if we kind of direct things back, uh, one of the fun distractors that I have been doing is um, I've been kind of, you know, what's the one thing I always complain about, Mark, when we're podcasting that I, I'm always jealous that you and Chris get to do that I never really get to do because I'm stuck in the classroom all the time. Oh, listening to music. Yeah, especially like long, <laughs> long form music, which will play a part in the topic of this conversation because a couple of the bands that we're going to kind of tackle um, are bands that I think are more like headphone type bands, to be perfectly honest with you, rather than like hit song kind of bands. Um, sure. And so, yeah, I've had I've had extra time. Um, and the other thing I've been doing, which is kind of fun, is. I have been watching lots and lots of movies. And so when I watch a movie, I send it to my friend Austin, who went and saw Ministry, uh, who we'll get back to Ministry in a second, why we opened with that song. But he went to the the Ministry Carpenter Brute Show with us, and he helps me with summer camp stuff. So here is my list thus far from the start of the quarantine, all right? Uh, Falcon and the Snowman, The Man from Laramie, The House of the Devil, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's great. Yeah. Uh, Prime Rib, which you lent me. Yep. Um, Something Wild, the old Jonathan Demme, uh, Jeff Daniels, Melanie Griffith comedy. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's a recent Criterion, so that's why I watch it. Uh, Creep Show, uh, Zombieland 2, uh, Dead Man. It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. Um, an old French film, uh, Army of Shadows, uh, The Bride of Dracula, or Brides of Dracula. Um, Phantom Thread. I went on kind of a big. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson kind of fixed for a while. So I watched nice. Phantom Thread, Heart Eight, and I rewatched There Will Be Blood. Um, Ministry of Fear, an old Fritz Long like spy comedy, uh, not comedy, spy uh, thriller. Um, Top Hat, an old musical. Tom Jones, have you ever seen that with Albert Finney? No, wild. no, I've heard about it though. Um, it's pretty wild. Uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> so it's good. 
that was what I needed like to do. Sometimes I watch things in the background, but they still count. Inglorious Bastards, I went back and rewatched that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Uninvited, which is a cool like uh, ghost story from the '40s with Ray Milland. Um, pretty interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I. Was- I'm pretty sure I've seen that. I went on a bit like years ago went on a huge Ray Milland kick. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so he's he's in uh, Ministry of Fear as well. So nice. and X, um, the man with the X-ray eyes, and yeah, uh, um, that one awful Roger Corman movie where him and a black dude, he's like a southern racist, and his head gets they're sharing a body with a oh with yeah, a black yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, he also did the. Um, Lost Weekend movie. I think he won an Oscar for that. The okay. alcoholic one or whatever. I think he yeah, did he that. Yeah, he was uh, Dylan for Murder, too. Yeah, yep. He did that in 54, so or 53. Um, My Darling Clementine. Then I went on a big John Ford kick. My Darling Clementine, How, How Green Was My Valley and The Searchers. Then I watched the old 1933 King Kong, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. The more recent version, not like the 19... 19- fucking 14 birth of a nation but the like one from a few years ago yeah um and now i'm on a big um polanski kick so i rewatched repulsion and i watched the tenant this morning nice so, did you ever see the tenant that's pretty wild yeah, yeah i think it's great yeah. and like the, have you seen knife in the water yet no that's i i want to buy that uh criterion but that one's that's i think back when we were in college i rented that or something Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, it was another one, the black and white. I think it came out right before Repulsion. Might have been his first. Yeah, that was his first movie, really. His first big movie was Knife in the Water, and I think '63, and then that's what got him the contract to be able to do Repulsion in England in '65. Okay, so. yeah, that's great. I mean, they're both great. I haven't seen Repulsion in a long time, but yeah, I haven't watched I'd it like since like, film class, probably. Yeah. You know? So I, I got the Criterion recently, so I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." So, so, anyways, I, my buddy is keeping track of all of those, so I'll I'll update the list when I get to the end. But right now, I'm sitting at twenty twenty eight. Um, I've not watched shit. I've been yeah. trying to be like a not a monk. I'm trying to be like a farmer. Wake up yeah. fairly early, work hard, maybe watch an episode of Star Trek: Next Generation, go to sleep. There you go. <laughs> Well, you know me. I've been, like, accumulating a lot of movies. Um, oh, this is perfect for you, yeah. So, like, I feel like there's a sense of guilt at a certain point where I'm, like, I just keep buying shit and not watching it. And being, like, teaching now the film class, like, I, I need some more context. And so I need to, like, fill in some gaps. And so I don't feel bad, you know, because I'm trying to, like, keep regimented on some other things like exercising and eating a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, I need to find some balances. And then some days I have like special projects I need to do like teaching stuff or like house stuff, but it's like, I don't have as like maybe a consistent of a schedule as it sounds like you do, but it still works. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, you've had, you're normally your schedule is incredibly consistent and full. So you deserve yeah, a little bit of this. I'm going to take, like you said, the Christmas break, uh, kind of insanity part of it and just really like maximize that, you know, cause this yeah. could be like, you know, this could be unprecedented. So if it's like I can like knock through like a bunch of stuff like that, like I'm going to try and really dig into my like uh, Bergman box set maybe next week because I haven't even really touched that. But I'm just like I've got like a pile that I'm trying to go through that I'm like forcing myself like, OK, I bought this. I need to fucking watch it. You know, like <laughs> well, I'm, be- I'm trying to. Like, yeah, I want to I get more to the instead of watching just like aimless, stupid television. I want to just watch like sit down and like watch a good movie. I haven't, uh, I have not turned the TV on, like the regular TV on, except to watch a couple things on DVR, like Survivor, um, Better Call Saul. Yeah, we've been watching um, that too. 
few things like that. Like I finished Deadwood finally. Like I was like caught at the beginning of season three of Deadwood for like forever and they just like put it off and I was like, fuck it. I need to be disciplined. So like I'm being disciplined a completely different way. <laughs> but it's like, did you watch the Deadwood movie? Uh, no, I'm waiting because Larry wants my stepdad wants to see that. Um, okay. He's a huge Deadwood fan and he doesn't have HBO. So I told him I would catch up and then we could watch the movie together. So I'm just kind of nice. waiting, waiting for that. But uh, yeah, so it's like you said, it's it's a mantra. It's like my own kind of form of like Buddhist meditation is like, OK, today I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pay attention to this subtitled movie and, you know, like mm-hmm. forcing myself. So it's like a mental discipline. Um you know, and like I said, it's paid off with music too because I've had some more time to kind of like dig into music. Whereas normally, like when we get ready to record like an episode or something, like I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants a little bit and just kind of like trying to get my notes done. That's yeah. why, like the Rotting Christ stuff, like I did that. Man, I think I did that like two spring breaks ago. Not like well, like last spring break, so like a year ago, and like. um the stuff with like the Hellenic uh, metal, uh, death metal and black metal that we're going to record uh, soon. Like I did that all over Christmas break when I have like this aimless time. That's when I can sit down. I just make lots and lots of notes and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm going to try and take advantage of that and maybe like get some research kind of set aside that way. If something does change and I'm back in school or, you know, whatever, then I, it's like, I have all this like stuff in the can that I can not be stressed about, you know? So, yeah. It'd be like if you could, like, proactively, like, do art projects, which would be really hard to do. You know? <laughs> I got a bunch in the can for, for whenever they're needed or something. Well, the nice, kind of- the nice thing is I'm actually able to um, to just not have to multitask, to be able to just focus on one thing, which I don't think as a species we're great at multitasking. No. Um, like, I yeah. can just focus purely on, like, I've, I've got these uh, uh, noise-canceling headphones that you, you can use around, like, power tools and shit. So it like muffles all the decibels, but also you can, you know, just focus right on that. Yeah. And I'm just, I'll listen to an album like, I don't know, last week or something, you know, me, me and Chris have been texting quite a bit about music, but I've just been using Spotify and I was like, shit, something popped up. It's like, you know, I haven't listened to that new funeral mist that came out two years ago. And I was like, oh, I'll I'll put that on. And I listened to it twice. I was like, oh, that's great. And then it popped up. It's like, oh, here's the new, you know, Dark Fortress. Like, sure, why not? (laughs) Well, yeah. I'm glad you're you're getting into Dark Fortress a little bit more because that was one of the highlights for me um, doing the German metal thing was was Dark Fortress. I really dig his his stuff that he does with Trypticon. So it's kind of, I can see a little bit of that, but it's still pretty different. I figured you it'd be like kind of a match made in heaven once you kind of spent some time with it. But I remember sitting at the airport last year um, with you getting ready to fly to Philly to record those with Chris. And I kept bugging you about like, dude, you got to listen to this one dark uh, fortress song. It was some Egypt reference, Osiris or some, something weird like that. I was like, dude, geez, Scott, it was like blowing my mind. I was listening to that headphones and we were sitting in like the airport, like waiting, yeah. and, you know, and like you were doing other things and you're like, cool, send it to me. But like, you weren't like in that headspace to like, no. And honestly, like the name is stupid. And that that's sometimes that's like a stumbling block for me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. You know, sometimes I'm that way with like covers and stuff. Like if a cover is really terrible, it's like hard for me to like find interest in a band, you know? Or sure. Something. And even like sometimes there's, you know, the, the older I get, the less I, I need to hear new stuff. I like to go back and reexamine like stuff I really love or stuff that I should have checked out. So it's like, sure. I don't have yeah. that burning desire to hear like every new thing, but it's got to be like curated through the right channels for me to check it out. 
Yeah, I I generally, I, you know, I I feel like I kind of know most of the time what stuff is worth like you digging, like that yeah. I think you like. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm not yeah. saying I know all the time, but like I I generally know like how not to waste your time with shit, you know. So um, just because I know like your taste pretty well, so. Like we were the other day, I was sharing that that Yatharaya and like that thing just fucking blowing my mind. We'll we'll talk more about that when we do the the Hellenic metal show. But um, you know, just I, I'll like catch a wave and be like, oh, dude, I gotta share this. This is awesome. So, yeah. So here we are, uh, quarantine episode. You know, kind of we we knew it'd be kind of loose, like a lot of patron episodes are. But um, we started with uh, the ministry song, and that was something I kind of stuck in there the other day without really kind of telling Mark, but I just thought like it'd be kind of a cool thing to just give an ode to the fact that, um, you know, we've been losing a lot of drummers lately. It seems in, in the metal and in rock world, it's very strange. Yeah. Fairly you know? young too. Jesus. Yeah. Um, very sad, you know, Bill Reefkin, um, or Reeflin, sorry. Um, the drummer for ministry also drum for King Crimson, REM, um, you know, a lot of other kind of projects, but kind of in the glory years of ministry, he was on, um, mine is a terrible thing to taste. Um, sound 69, you know, and, and some of those kind of early nineties kind of records from ministry. But, um, you know, we lost Sean Reinhardt from cynic and death. We lost obviously, um, Mr. Peart. Yeah. Neil Peart. Um, we lost, uh, Reed Mullen from CS. Um, And so it's, it was kind of like an odd little kind of thing. And so this Re- Reeflin thing just happened a couple of days ago. And I was like, you know what? That live record from Ministry, like that was one of the things that really hooked me on Ministry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think I got it used on cassette at New Moon in either right before or right at the same time that I picked up Psalm 69. And just hearing like a lot of those mind uh, songs and Land of Rape and Honey songs, like that kind of got me into those two records. And yeah. The fact that, like, a lot of the drums on those records are generally, like, programmed and stuff, but, like, to do that live and, like, you know, so what, you know, they obviously do an an extended version here, and it kind of becomes very, like, hypnotic, Mm -hmm. but he's doing some things in the end of that live song that you just, you know, you heard, what, 20 minutes ago when we started this talk set or whatever, but... um, um, he was almost doing like Danny Carey type stuff. It was very like, like some cool, like circular looped kind of middle Eastern uh, kind of things there. And they're real subtle. Like it's something like I wouldn't have like picked up on, but I just thought to kind of do a song that I think featured his drumming. Whereas like a lot of the other ministry stuff, like his drumming's there, but it's like, how much is he doing it live versus like programmed? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's hard. So I just thought, eh, let's do a live version because at least we know on some level he's, performing you know for some reason i think the psalm 69 shit was recorded analogued and then cut up like a live yeah. drum like an actual live take and then the in like post-production they went in and i was you know, reading it or something about that too and around psalm 69 is when like jorgensen and um god who's the other main guys at paul like paul barker or something or Mike barker they were like spending all their money on heroin yes <laughs> and then like the other three guys uh reef Reeflin included was they like formed like their own little like group within a group and neither of them would go into the recording studio at the same time because they kind of like hated each other yeah and so i don't know how much of like what those three actually did ended up i could see like jorgensen sort of like scrapping a lot of that stuff just out of spite because yeah. it's kind of a pretty dark place there so because i thought about playing scarecrow because scarecrow is like 
A, it's a song that doesn't get a, a, like talked about a lot, like a lot of stuff on Psalm 69 does. Mm-hmm. And he's doing like a kind of his version of like John Bonham, like when the levee breaks, like Led Zeppelin <laughs> sort of style. Like it's like these sort of like bombastic sort of like cool, like weird. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the like that style of drumming. It's very blues drumming, obviously, but it's um, it's almost it's slightly cool. like behind the beat or something too that yeah, gives it that like, that extraness. Yeah, exactly. Maybe like it's kind of like what Stax would do, which it's like the delayed beat and Stax records kind of yeah. stuff, you know, down in Memphis. But, but anyways, I just thought, eh, you know, we don't get an opportunity. We haven't really done a ministry show before, even though we could. And, and we certainly, you know, have a lot to say about them, I'm sure. But I was like, ah, oh, let's, you know, be kind of a fun thing to open up with on a patron show is just kind of throw some ode to, yeah. to this guy. So. But in our last episode uh, for Patreon, we kind of did the uh, – we were looking at that Decibel 2010 um, best records of the decade and kind of talking about some of the ones that we thought uh, still held up pretty well for us or that we were happy to see um, make the list or or, or whatever. We kind of took our own little kind of angle and we sort of hinted that we could do maybe kind of a sequel type episode to it. And Mark and I had kind of discussed about some of the records that we thought held up and that some of the ones that really didn't. And so um, that's kind of where I wanted to start. And I, 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 kind of want to start with two records that one for you mentioned and i'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on it and then one that i mentioned that are records we both like Mm -hmm. i think in fact i would say you know even maybe kind of love at least the first one for me um but maybe you think are a little you think one's overrated and i think one's kind of overrated and so i thought maybe that would be a, a good way to kind of start this conversation um so go ahead, talk to you know, talk about the the controversy of Surgical Steel for you being a, a huge Carcass guy and and it being the record of the decade according to Decibel. Yeah, and you know these lists are always just you know built for talking points and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like for being the most, imp- I don't see it as the most important record of the decade. But there's a big like glaring omission to the comeback of Carcass is that Ken Owen, although you know he did some vocals on it and i don't know if he you know offered anything else really for surgical steel but he had that certain kind of je ne sais quoi that added something weird to carcass like he would come up with weird riffs that he would record and then uh, bill steer would try to like actually you know recreate that into something that was playable and uh, and just weird weird drum beats and like just a lot of the 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 eccentricities of carcass i think mostly came from him so it seems like going, I like the album. It's that's great, but if I'm gonna, I don't usually go back and listen to it very much. It's just like the new priest is like, eh, firepower is great, but I'm just gonna go back and listen to Defenders of Faith or you know, Screaming for Vengeance or whatever. It's one of those things that it seems like in a, especially in a ten year retrospective thing. I don't know if, like, if there's a grand idea why it was number one, outside of just you know, it's it's the the rebirth like the the we always want to see this the one great thing come back and be a great thing again which it usually doesn't very well like sure. star wars didn't come back great star trek didn't like those like big well franchise type things yeah. <laughs> never well, really come back way, carcass kind of like at the gates were like two of the big kind of death metal franchises and yeah. both both made fairly remarkable and good you know like comebacks you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Surgical Steel was, like, better than people kind of expected. You know, like... Yes. Um, 
And so, yeah, maybe there is like a nostalgia burn on that a, a bit, you know, in terms of like how people perceive that and think about that. Mm-hmm. And maybe in a way it says something more about people our age, because I think a lot of the people that, you know, voted on these are, tend to be kind of in our age range. I think of like Albert and Chris and, and you know, I think there are a few younger writers, too. But, you know, I think of like they skew a little later and, or a little older. Guys. Yeah. You know, I think that's why Decibel, like for the most part, I think sometimes they're trying to find the next latest and greatest because they have to. They're a magazine. I get it. Yeah. You know, they're you know, they have to do that. But um I think that nostalgia counts for a lot with that generation, with us included. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got done kind of saying that you yourself kind of go back and like will actively spend more time trying to digest things that maybe you either missed the first time or that your POV on things have sort of changed over time. You know, you think of like, yeah. you know, UFO or, or some of the bands that like, you know, initially like you were kind of like not super excited about and have kind of gone back and, and kind of found a new angle to like understand them or. Yeah. Like I've, I've been buying like old doors records and shit and ACDC and like, you know, stuff that when I was younger, is like, Oh, this is boring and lame. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the ACDC thing for me happened when I, you know, I, I know it's not like a broken record, but when I started to put together the countdown, Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had to like actually like look at some of those like lost ACDC records, not just the 70s stuff that I knew I still already kind of dug, but even yeah. some of like that like 80s Bon Scott stuff that wasn't like the hit song stuff. Like I had to kind of find like a track from each of those records. And I'm not saying I love all those records, but like I, I at least like am more familiar with them. And I was glad that I was forced to like do it because now I have it in mo- my vocabulary and I'm not just like making bold statements off of like assumptions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I'm not going to pull all that stuff out, but, but yeah. I appreciate, you know, some of the Bond Scott's or not Bond Scott, but the Brian Johnson stuff is what I meant. The yeah. 80s Johnson stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, going back and like, I know a lot of the reasons why I reacted to things is just out of my own, like, you know, whatever my own hangups or my own insecurities or, you know, just to be irreverent or whatever it might've been. But then I think I've, fan I've, base too, right? What's that? Don't you think the fan base? Well, yeah, that, that's like a thing. Like I don't, I hate, I don't like the classic rock fan. Yeah. That, that I grew up around what was just like hanging out in a trailer park, drinking beers out of the back of a car. Yeah. Like the that, Z93, uh, yeah. That, that was like the, the, the image that I got from it. And as it's like gotten, you know, way away from that, I was like, this stuff was actually great. Like and, and get like the, the POV of like somebody like, like Martin Popoff. Who yeah. was like the kind of guy that I wish I would have been around, you know, of that era. <laughs> Who was like, oh, have you heard of Merciful Fate? And then here's this and here's Aerosmith and blah, blah, blah. Like yeah. people that were like super into it, but like intellectualizing it. It never got intellectualized in the right way until later on for me. Yeah. And I think like the mantra that I've done and, and one of the things that's happened with the, you know, the quarantine is I've been able to go back and do a lot more of the countdown on a daily basis, mm-hmm. um, which has been good. You know, it it does a couple things for me. It it's it is sort of like a daily goal, even though there are a couple of days that I miss because I had school stuff going on or whatever. But um, but it also like it hones my writing skills a little bit. It's kind of like you like sketching each day. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, for sure. It's it's something like I've kind of it's a lost art for me because I used to be. I, you know, I think at one point, like near the end of Eclipse, like I, I felt like I was a, a pretty decent writer and, and I wrote really good papers in college and, and post-grad and all that kind of stuff. And I still write things for, 
school, but it's to a different audience. You know, it's not for sure. Yeah. But I think it like, in addition to like writing stuff, it's also been like kind of fun because again, it's still forcing me to like consider a bunch of bands that like, sometimes I don't always like think about, like I have to like, I have to like listen to like a Badlands song and I like Badlands. I've, yeah. I've gotten into that record or I've got to like listen to some of the stuff that like is on the countdown, like King's X. I just posted some King's X the other day and like, I forget that King's X is fucking awesome. Like they're just great. Like, and I know that like, they're kind of, you know, they're like a guitar teacher kind of band or, or whatever. <laughs> That's a good but, way to um, explain it. Yeah. But like, but like, you know, like I was just listening out of the silent planet and it's like, it sounds like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. like a year before all those bands and then I do like a little bit of research and it turns out like I was talking to like Dan Zadar about it and like you know and Dan was sort of saying like um, like Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam like basically says he openly was like ripping off King's X like riffs and shit like that and like (laughs) early Alice in Chains riffs sound just like that King's X and I was like fuck I would have never I would have never taken the time to know this you know, if it weren't yeah, for like yeah. this countdown, you know, and so like it, it was sort of a godsend in a lot of ways because like, yeah, it was a pain in the ass to do and it's still going to be a pain in the ass that I have to, you know, <laughs> that I'm updating this. But like, it's like a pleasant pain in the ass. It's like a, it's like exercise in like a good way. Like, you, you know, it's like something you got to do or eating right. Like you feel mm-hmm. better after you do it or something. Yeah, so. you dread doing it. But once you're, when you're, when you're in the act of it, like you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Sure. So I wonder, like, I wonder if, like, that went into, like, how people, like, because this Carcass record was so, it was such a relief that it was, it, it wasn't just, like, good, but I think it was great. You know, I'm not saying yeah, it's the best yeah. record of the decade. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about what my record of the decade actually is because I just, that's, I, like, that's. <laughs> the whole idea is weird anyways. But, it, yeah, it I mean, weird. but also Carcass was coming from a different place than At The Gates because At The Gates ended on a career triumph. And Carcass literally like fizzled out and then did something without Bill Sear afterwards and uh Blackstar. Sure. That was not very well received. I well, you know, I enjoyed it, whatever, but yeah. they were yeah, kind we, of after hard work, they were kind of I think they lost their fire a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, they had I didn't their comeback was there's less riding on their shoulders than at the gates. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. Cause I think, you know, Tampa had shown that he could go on and do like really great things. And even a couple of those first like three haunted records were, were very quite, you know, were pretty pleasant and fun listens and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, when they got, uh, Marco Aro or whatever, the like haunted made me do it. And, yeah, uh, one kill wonder. Those are great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. After that, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. It's just kind of retread. But, um, sure. you know, like I said, you get a couple, like I said, a couple fun records that are fun to like put on and listen to. And we dug them back in college, you know, when yeah. we were getting stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe there was like a lot more writing on Carcass because they had sort of not had a sort of proven post Carcass track record, you know, or even like you said, uh, like an end legacy with Swan Song and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. So, so yeah, I wonder how much like the nostalgia factor plays into like over inflating like the importance of like Carcass, you know, yeah. because it's not like Carcass created like a new scene again or like resurrected like a like dormant scene with that record. And, you know, I think of like, I think I look at like the previous top 100 that they did um, for the, the 2000s and like to me, like Jane Doe is like a revolutionary record. 
mm-hmm. like like that, like change the course of like metalcore, if, if you even want to include it in that conversation. But I think it was a gateway record for people like you and I um, to like better appreciate some of those bands that maybe we perceived as hardcore bands and go, wow, these hardcore bands like are as ballsy and powerful as, as like death metal and grindcore. And, you know, like, yeah. You know, if if you're if you had some passion, like you know, cave in and converge and some of that stuff, like held up really well. A lot of that scene, you know, didn't <laughs> kind of derivative and yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could say the same thing about what you know, slaughter the soul begat. You know, sure, what I mean, absolutely. a lot of that stuff was was you know. So you can't take away from it. But like you know, that record and there were a few others that were near the top, like Dope Throne and and stuff like that. Where I was like, yeah, those were records where like when you heard them, you were like this is a big deal. You know, yeah. those early Mastodon records, you know, you were just like, this is a game changer. And, you know, Surgical Steel, like you said, like, I like it. It's great. I don't pull it out that much. Is it like the most game changing record of the decade? You know, I don't know. I, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not trying. Yeah. I'm not belittling. It's uh, like no. the, the thing about I've noticed that like as bands, like normally bands didn't stay together this long. They didn't have 16 fucking studio albums or whatever. Something like some of these bands have is just insane. And I think after, like, you go through this phase, like, especially with, you know, if you started in the 90s into the, you know, ended in the, like, basically the end of the mid 90s, 95, 96, you had the same kind of trajectory that most rock bands would have had, where, you know, you get some label, like, level of success, like the Columbia deals with Carcass and Godflesh and Entombed and all that stuff. And I think they hit a certain point to where they didn't, they wanted to distance, everybody wanted to distance themselves from what they were like known for. Be, they didn't want to just be the same thing all the time. And now yeah. as they get older, they realize that, oh, that thing that we, you know, we were trying to get away from is that was our identity. That's the thing. So how do we recreate that? And it's very difficult <laughs> to do it. And yeah. I think that's why it's taken them, you know, eight years or whatever to put out another record. When was that thing? 2013? 2013, yep. So it's it's been a, you know, a couple years since that came out. And the new one, I don't know if they're going to push it because of, you know, like Enslaved's record got pushed till the fall. Yeah. I know, like, Paradise Lost, they put out a statement that said their uh, their record's going to still come out in May, which will which will be good. But um, I just fucking lost my train of thought now. Oh, but so I think, like, they're, I think um, Surgical Steel is very, very calculated. Yeah. To not do anything that was like sounded anything like not too heartworky. Like let's go like back into the well a little bit more. Yeah. It kind of was an ode to like necroticism and heartwork. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was kind of playing in, in both those kind of camps. So yeah, I can see what you're kind of saying there. So yeah. So I'll be curious is- to see what the, cause the new, the new under, what is it? Under the scalpel blade or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I don't, it didn't like blow me away. Yeah, I have. I've listened to it a few times, but I, I I'm not pulling it out like a lot. You yeah, know? Um, it's just it's a weird thing that I don't, I don't. It's like depends on what bands like, like what my initial inroad was with Carcass is like hearing. I heard some of the early stuff and just sounded like garbage to me. And then like me and Chris got Necroticism and then went back to his house and listened to it and it was like a game changer. It's like holy yeah. shit. So I I've got like a special place for the, like they're they're like the like a big brother or something that I like I look up to but they kind of like are kind of a dick too. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> There's like a begrudging respect, but also like I'm 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 harder on them because they meant so much to me. 
Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's kind of like sort of how I've been with like Opeth, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I like the newest Opeth. I think it's the best of their kind of like new style so far. I would agree, yeah. But like, you know, that's that's tough. That's a tough pill for me to swallow sometimes. Because mm-hmm. Opeth was, that was like junior in high school, you know, that's where I, I that was like one of the first bands like I felt like kind of on the cutting edge. Like Chris gave me that before, like right as Orchid was coming out. Mm-hmm. And was like, dude, this is like the next thing. And like, that was so so different than anything else that my group of friends had like stumbled on at that point. And that was like something like, I remember like bringing my discman and like playing that for people like girls and stuff like that. And they'd be like, Whoa, I'm like, yeah, I know. Isn't this like beautiful and crazy. And like, I don't know. I just felt really special like with that record. And so they piss me off sometimes when they don't do the things I like want them to do. You know? Yeah. Um, and even though I, I feel just as passionately about like, Catatonian Anathema, but I've been like more accepting with their newer style, even though I don't listen to those records that much. Mm-hmm. Like, like okay, like they're 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 happy, they're doing with their, you know, probably because they haven't like they didn't deviate completely away from what they were doing in the early two thousands. They just sort of like doubled down on some of the styles more than I probably would have. Yeah, it's like it's not like objectively like bad music. You know what I mean? Like I think they're still like writing like good songs. They're just not. They don't mean as much to me as like the stuff from like the nineties and early. 2000s do you know yeah there's certain uh-huh. bands that'll like i i'm a big fan of catatonia up to a point and basically i think like night is the new day i kind of was like okay that's enough unless yeah. they're going to do something completely different and the new record seems you know at least they're trying something different yeah, yeah but yeah, uh you know a new song they're but cool. yeah i never had i never had a time to push the pause button on carcass you know yeah that's true and yeah. like like Paradise Lost is one of those bands that I followed through their entire career through thick and thin and indifference. Um, you know, I've o- I was always there when the records came out. Yeah, um, but Carcass, there's you know that what seventeen year gap or whatever between between records. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Yeah. So it's it is kind of an interesting uh, kind of perspective on that, and then. Kind of the record I, I looked at as kind of overrated, I guess. And it's interesting because Mark picked the number one and I picked the number 100. So, um, <laughs> but like, I've had some like beef with like Behemoth that I've, I've sort of brought up a few times. Um, yeah. You know, I love a lot of those older Behemoth records, like a lot. And I was trying to articulate my thoughts and I, I kind of wrote some stuff down that I'll just kind of share uh, about why maybe with the Satanists, like, I, I like the record. I don't hate it. I don't think it's a bad record by any means, but like it just doesn't do for me what like maybe I wanted it to do. And maybe it's my own expectations and that's like my fault. But I just wrote like what I listen for with like Behemoth is like like technical, creative, sort of wild guitar riffing and soloing. Mm-hmm. And what I hear on this record is kind of a lack of that wildness. It's a little maybe too clean and too produced. Yeah. Which which I think works for some bands. And I think that style like really works for some bands, but like I think of like Satanica and uh, some of those records starting from there. And like, there was like a wild abandon to like the style of those records. And I feel like maybe um, trying to like sort of simplify the sound on the Satanist and go for more like moods and theatrics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the moods and theatrics are like dark enough for me for for that to work because I'm a fan of moods and theatrics and we'll we'll get to that soon because I think like the next band we play after this is is all about some of that. Um, but to me, like it, 
it's it's sort of like what Rotting Christ did in a way, and we'll get into that with with our second part to Rotting Christ. But I think Rotting Christ like cleaned their sound up a little bit more effectively than Behemoth did, and like kept a lot of the crazy solos. I think Sackus like still did a lot of like really incredible solo work, even if some of the there's a certain sameness to some of Rotting Christ stuff. Yeah, but like I, I guess it's. And so I guess that what Riding Christ did by like kind of cleaning up their sound works a little bit better for me than maybe what Behemoth does. Um, you know, like the percussion, the percussion on the record's like good, but it's like really samey at times for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the song we're gonna play, uh, "Ora Pro Nobis Lucifer," like that's one of my favorite tunes on the record. Um, and to me, it's like a cool like template for like this new stripped down sound because it has like really good riffs and hooks and things like that. And like it's simple lead, too. And the leads are really good too. Yeah. Like it's still got like some of that, like that I want from, uh, from him to, to do, you know? Um, so I don't know. Those are, those are just kind of some, some thoughts that I kind of have. Like I think in this song too, like the atmosphere with like the trombones and French horns is like cool. And there's even like a satiricon, like thorns kind of riffing in the middle yeah. section of it. But to me, like a lot of the solos on this record, I went back and listened to it again to see if my opinions kind of changed. Um, and they're, they're just kind of bland. Like they're okay. good. They're very perfunctory. But like it's sort of like some of that, like the last decade of Opeth. Like it's all very competent. Mm-hmm. Like none of it's like making me want to pull the records out. And um, I know a lot of people really love the Satanist from Behemoth and they see this as like a career highlight. And, and, and that's cool. Like I'm not like against that it's just not maybe what i want from behemoth and um you know when we saw them live like the one thing i wanted to hear was like the fucking random like wild abandonment and the drums outpowered like the guitar so much that i couldn't even like pick up on some of the solos and i think that was like that was like a metaphor for where my relationship with behemoth <laughs> like at this point you know so yeah uh, so I don't know. I, what are your thoughts on on? Behemoth? Yeah, because I, I mean, I've I kind of I think the last uh, Behemoth record I bought was uh, was Evangelion or something. Uh, Same here, gray cover or something. Yeah, I think and that. Was, or the was, Those are like the last two I think I own. Okay. Copy. Yeah, but I so I kind of didn't pay any attention, and this got a lot of press, and like mm-hmm. the videos production suffered great too. Um, and I just I was I had no expectation. And I heard it, I was like, oh, that's good. And then they're popular too. Okay, that's great because they didn't, Yeah, they, they hit a level of success that they're not as like goofy as Amonomarth. And they're still, sure. I think, like more extreme musically than Amonomarth is. And they didn't seem to really sacrifice that. I mean, they sacrificed a little bit of the, you know, the, the abandon and the wildness, but they kind of like made it through unscathed and are a popular national touring band, which is yeah. kind of insane to think about. Like when, because I the first I heard them in like '93, on when they're oh, based the like the the pagan stuff, yeah. Vastland thing. It was just like really kind of primitive black metal shit, and didn't really care about them until they. I think what label put that others put like almost six out and was that peaceful? Uh, no, it wasn't peaceful. Boy, I have them upstairs, but you know, Satanica was like the one that came out before Thelma six. And that was like the first one that I think Chris like was like, dude, you got to listen to the fucking guitar work on this. And, yeah, um, I can't remember if it was the end, was it the end that put those out. I'm not Boy, sure, but I like can't. they were, they, they kind of did their own, like the, the vocal gang, you know, gang vocal attack thing. That's mm-hmm. kind of like something I think they kind of 
that's like one of their things you could put, you know, in the list of, you know, contributions to extreme metal. Like, yeah. and they turned it into like a style almost like that's most of their songs are that way. But yeah, for me, I don't, I don't know if it was more, I, I, I don't really ever think about going back and listen to behemoth anymore. But when I do, I was like, Oh, this is, this seems nice. And it seems like they've got like the whole, what I really like is the whole picture. The, the cover art's good. The videos are great. It's got like a really, it's, it looks like a very like, uh, um, like focused vision by one person. Yeah, that's true. I give them credit. Like, to me, like, maybe it's the way some people feel about um, kind of, like, 2000s-era, like, Demu. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you look at... Uh, what was the record that we did with Chris um, that was inducted in the Hall of Fame? Um, it's got the amazing video and, like... Um, the, oh, the Progenies of the Lost Apocalypse or some yeah, shit? Yeah, you know, like, whatever that record is, I, I can't think of it offhand like there's a lot of people that were like kind of upset with demu about like that record because it was like so big and so clean and, and things like that but like it's so catchy but it's catchy yeah, yeah. And it's like I, undeniable that's why yeah, i like that record yeah i had no problem with that but like maybe maybe i'm having the same trouble with like something like behemoth for the same reasons but i, I you know which maybe is hypocritical of me but i guess I guess I expected it more from Demu because Demu was like always like kind of over the top with their keyboards and symphonic like that stuff was yeah. there on in throne you know like mm-hmm. so it didn't like, surprise me that they they just sort of doubled down on that stuff you know when I'm just um, kind of being devil's advocate too I don't own the Satanist or yeah, you know, no, anything no. either it's just I, that was it's one of those things where I liked uh, it's nice to see an extreme metal band that doesn't that isn't like you know if somebody asks you oh do you listen to metal like do you like the sword like yeah. oh god like no like it's good that there's like a, somebody flying the banner for yep. old death no, I, I, I yeah I can see all the logic in, in that and I'm glad because I'm going to be devil's advocate to some of your, your views coming up too <laughs> so good like that's that's kind of why that was going to be fun about this so yeah but yeah so so those are those are a couple things um and then the last thing we're going to hear we're going to hear a carcass song we're going to hear a behemoth song and then we're going to hear a Death Heaven song, and um, let's kind of chat about that when we get back. Let's give people kind of a break here and uh, unpack kind of another record that you had on your list for for controversial, and um, I have some thoughts about that as well when we come back, and, and we'll kind of hit on that stuff. So um, we've got the granulating dark satanic mills from Surgical Steel, uh, Oro Pro Nobis Lucifer from Behemoth, and then we've got the title track uh, Sunbather from Death Heaven's uh, Death Heaven's Unbather.
You just heard Sunbather from Death Heaven, Aura Pronobus Lucifer from Behemoth, and then Granulating Dark Satanic Mills from Carcass. So, yeah, Death Heaven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a lot here, I think, to, to maybe unpack. Um, I, they were one of the bands when we were just kind of bullshitting the last time we kind of talked that uh, – um, I think the bands I wrote down that you mentioned a lot were, you know, Spirit Adrift, Nails, uh, Deaf Heaven, Chemist. Um, those are a few that, like, I got from you. Carcass, I think you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I, you know, I guess I'll I'll give the floor to you to sort of start because this was kind of on your list, you know, to kind of talk about this incredibly controversial band in, in some ways, especially this record in particular, Sunbather, um, put out in 2013. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I'll it's, let you. Uh, well, I mean, every there's there's lots of. I'm glad that you know styles are merging and whatever that we've got. You know, people taking shoegaze and black metal and indie rock and putting it all together, but it just does not do anything for me whatsoever. It all seems really kind of prescriptive and like calculated to me, gotcha. especially with. Um, the thing, the funny thing that bothers me the most is the most black metal part of it is the vocals that I fucking hate. Oh, George Clark. I yeah. really don't like his vocals at all. Everything like, else um, is fine. The music is, it's okay. Like the, the, the one that, um, we're doing two songs. So the one off new Bermuda, I liked better cause it was more interesting, but that yeah. first one is just kind of like uh, the, the, the monotony comes from the vocals instead of the guitars. Yep. which is like a weird like anti shoegaze thing. Usually the you know the the vocals just kind of like wash over you like you know my bloody valentine or something but um yeah this just there's nothing about it that really gets me excited. And I understand why it's important, you know, how how they break down different um especially like having the first time I they opened for some, or maybe somebody opened for them that I was watching some band and it was just all like girls in baby doll dresses. And I felt like in a weird way betrayed. Like it was like, I, I've worked in this, <laughs> I've been part of this scene for so long and this is what you do to me kind of thing. Yeah. And, but you know, I was like, what? It's not my fucking scene, Yeah, but it's just yeah. something I, I care a lot about and, you know, no, talk about a lot, but it was just like I, the, and the amount of press and praise it got, I was like, oh, I understand that what it's doing is different and it's something worth talking about. But in this, in this, how long have they been around since when was that first one? 2013. So that was actually their second record, but that was like the first big record. So they've been around since like, um, I think 2009, 2010, probably so they've been around like 10 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just like, I don't know where, where this band can go. What, I don't know what, what like what else, what else is there outside of being like a novelty? That's what I, what I kind of see it as. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I wrote down like questions for you, and you kind of addressed. Sure. Um, one was the the, the vocals, the, you know, um, the album cover. We can get back to the album cover in a second. One of the things about the vocals that's so interesting on this record, and we'll talk about how it's different, like maybe a little bit on New Bermuda, but like his vocals are almost like buried, and there's some people that like that, and then it sounds like that's something like you don't dig, you know, where, and, and that's fine. Like I'm not, I, I, I actually like the vocals a lot better on the next record than I do on sunbather. But, mm-hmm. um, I guess in that song we just heard, the reason I picked that song is, is, 
songs, um, it's got a part at the very end. And to me, the last two minutes of that song is the best two minutes on that whole record. And the first like seven minutes are fairly monotonous. I, I agree. But to me, like, I think it's one of those, like, it's a headphone record in a lot of ways because it's all about like the one moment that's different. Maybe. Yeah, and, and that works for some people. And I know that that's maybe not like, you know, Chris is like really into like a lot of funeral doom and, and some of that kind of stuff. And I, I think you've, you, you've struggled sometimes with that. And I, I'm kind of in the middle sometimes. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't really have the patience for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just find like, uh, like, cause it, it depends on what, like what you're going into music for too. Like what, what I want to listen to. And that, that whole, there's very few bands that do it where I like it. And I would throw neurosis in the, you know, the positive category for that. Like you're waiting for the, the hook that never happens or barely happens. Sure. But they're, yeah. they're able to do it, like do it, construct it in a way that's not monotonous in a way that's yeah. annoying to me. That's like yeah. some, another band where we'll be talking about later on is the same type of like the same riff forever. And they're just, it's like, like taking a blues song and then stretching it out for fucking ever the same riff. <laughs> And she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. Because <laughs> um, I have some thoughts. Like I said, this, this quarantine has allowed me some time with some records that I, I normally don't have. Yeah. What I wrote about that last song is it's it's a lot of monotonous blast, black metal blasting, uh, barely heard vocals. I wrote, I think I'd actually dig this song more as an instrumental. Yeah, I would like the band without the vocalist. Or if the vocalist yeah. was, like, doing indie rock fucking vocal. I would, anything better than this, wah, wah, wah. Like he just yeah. sounds like a baby screaming with distortion. Yeah, no, I one hundred percent like kind of agree with you there. Uh, at least especially on Sunbather and like what I wrote about that last two minutes from like the seven thirty five mark. So you know maybe go back and just listen to the last two minutes just after the show's done. Just see what your thoughts are. Yeah. But to me, it's like this the, when that shimmering guitar sort of comes in, it becomes like it's it reminds me like Mogwai or Mono or even some of the stuff that like Alcest has done where like it really hits like kind of a transcendent spot. And I was like, God, if they could have just done like a lot more of this throughout the record, I'd probably pull this record out like a little bit more. Um, and yeah, even, like, I, I think I would like it, it better with, um, with less black metal. Yeah. Like it, like I, I don't disagree with you there. Like it's, it's like, I wait for that part, but it's like, I know that part's coming because I've, I've heard the record enough that I, I can patiently get there yeah. but if like with somebody like you where you're like what the fuck's the point of this and you don't know that that part's coming it's like i don't, I don't know like i get where your perspective's coming from you know well um, also i'm not giving him like you're you're much more um like reasonable and uh i'm much more i'd say opinionated and cranky about things but you're you're, sure. you, you're willing to sit there and like give it the benefit of the doubt and if i've got too many like boxes checked off where like this seems pretentious i don't like this why? Yeah. <laughs> why are people telling me that I need to listen to this kind of thing? Then that auto, that like negates whatever quality or you know might be yeah. there. Yeah, like uh, I see it sometimes as like a challenge. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. that's somebody's productive thing. That's why you're a teacher, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, but like I, you know, and, and there's some things that get hyped, and I don't really care about the hype. You know, sure. like I. I'll, I'll give it like a brief moment and then move on. Uh, but I tend to like, I don't know, like if something's getting talked about by like people that I respect sometimes, I'm like, okay, it's at least I'll, I'll give it a listen. And and sometimes it doesn't work out. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I actually would make an argument and, and this is the argument I'm about to make um, is that in going back and listening to Sunbather, I was like, well, 
I want to sort of see how this evolved because I didn't spend enough time with New Bermuda when I bought it. Um, I bought it, you know, so I own both these records, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever that says about me. Um, and I like them live better than I thought I would like them. I don't know if you, I don't think you were paying as much attention to them last year at, in Philly, but like I kind of just to uh, seem monotonous to me. Yeah, I, I, they were, but there was like these moments where like I was kind of like getting it a little more. Um, but you, you also knew the records too. That's true. So like I was kind of waiting for some of those like those you know it's like um it's kind of like when you first get into like you know electronic music or like um, DJ Shadow or something like that. Like I know like a hook's coming or something like that. Whereas like if you try to like introduce somebody something that's just like looped and repetitive and you don't know that there's a hook coming it's kind of hard to like get them to like have the patience to like want to stick with it you know yeah. um you know it's like foreign films or, or some sometimes with that stuff like you've probably watched i know you've gone through this experience before and i hope uh, muriel's not listening but like where you've you've watched a movie with like muriel before that you're like you're way into but maybe it's like slow and like atmospheric and she's just like what the fuck like you know like yeah. blade Runner, right she wasn't yeah. like into that <laughs> you know and i get that like i get why some people aren't naturally like into blade runner you know what i mean like it makes sense to me even though i fucking love it you know and i think i'm not saying that these guys are as good as that but when i heard when i put on new bermuda I put on my headphones, my noise canceling ones, and I just listened to it while I was cooking. And Uh all of a sudden, like, I just, it snapped in. And what was interesting about New Bermuda, the whole record, is, and and if you got some time and you're doing some of your, you know, your farm work kind of metaphor in the house, (laughs) put New Bermuda on and just sort of in your headphones and just see, see what you grab out of it. Because I think you would like this record a lot more. Uh, because I think that this is the record that should get the hype that Sunbather gets. Like to me, this is the masterpiece. Okay. Um, the vocals are like better. Um, their inspiration is they were like listening to like old Slayer a lot. So there's like, even in the song we're going to listen to in a second, Luna, there's like weird, like thrash parts that sort of erupt and, and come out and stuff. It even like, starts with like a weird, like palm muted thing. But the, like the production on the drums is way better too. Yeah, they got a full-time, I think a newer drummer, or like a full-time, I can't remember, but there was some kind of, I, I don't yeah. have all the details for this band like yeah. laid out in front of me, but there was there was something kind of going on there. But yeah, the whole record's just like great. Like like Sunbather has, like besides Sunbather, the song uh, Dreamhouse is also a really, really good song. They played that live. It's kind of one of their go-tos. And I think that's the song that kicks the whole record off. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But like, um, like to me, New Bermuda didn't have like any fat to it. Like, yeah. There's some monotony. That's kind of the name of the game with those guys. But to me, it was like it had more hooks, kind of like Alcest has, or, or some of those other black gays kind of uh, bands. Yeah. But um, yeah, I you know, and I think this album got some hype. Uh, I think it was the Decibels Top Forty or whatever. But to me, like Sunbather gets all this attention, and I don't think it should get as much as it should. I don't think it's the number three record of the decade or whatever. I think it's because it's the breakthrough, though. I, yeah, I, I agree. You know, but to me, it's like this is more refined or something. I, yeah. I don't know, and it's more interesting. And I feel like they they they're like comfortable in their skin. They went through like a lot of backlash. Um, you know, like I'll say that about those guys. They seem to sort of like understand their place and kind of instead of like running from it, they kind of doubled down on some stuff. And they didn't get more trendy. They actually kind of got like. At least with this record. I don't know. I didn't listen to the last one, I'll be honest, like the mm-hmm. one from 2018. Um, I did listen to like a couple songs from it, and it seemed more more like mono, mogwai-ish. Um, you know, 
which is like what people I think expected from them is that they were just going to kind of like become more and more mainstream. Yeah. Um, but, but I actually give new Bermuda credit because it didn't go completely in that direction. You know what I mean? Like I thought it would have, and it kind of actually did some things that I thought were more musically interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So anyways, uh, so we'll, we'll hear a, a tune from that to kind of start this next set, uh, Luna, but, um, and then another band that you sort of, uh, grabbed, um, which is nails. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and listened to both those records. Cause like, like I said, like in preparation, I was like, okay, I want to give these a, a fair shake and see where my thoughts are with them. Um, be, what's, where, where are you at with nails, I guess? And why I like I, the, I think unsilent death was, um, that's the first one. Yeah. Like it seemed like, okay, it was something that was needed at the time. It was like, a a very like direct to the point, you know, HM two ish sounding death metal ish stuff. It was like a lot of different uh, culminate, like a lot of different things, like hardcore death metal. It was like this is something that could only happen after it's like an antidote to bloat after twenty five years of a scene existing or something. So it seemed yeah, like a, a nice yeah. thing to like Some you know blow the yeah to blow the 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 uh, cobwebs away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when the second one came out, or is the second or is the third one? You'll never be uh, one of us. One, but then the um, there are two that made decibels, um, which is unsilent, and then you will never be one of us. And you only never be one of us was the third one uh, that was released. So okay. the second one, I didn't pull that one out. That one's like not so m- memorable for me. I yeah. guess. Um, that was kind of the same with uh, "You'll Never Be One of Us" too. Like it was just it was. It was missing something for me. The first one, it's it's fine. I don't go back and listen to it. But there was another band in the same era that was doing similar things called Black Breath that never was talked about. <laughs> it had no coverage whatsoever, which I became a more interesting band to me than these guys ever did. I get you. Um, I guess I would see – I see more Black Breath as being like kind of a, an HM2 Entomb Dismember kind of thing. And I guess I, when I hear nails, I hear a lot more like of, um, like, you know, from enslavement, napalm with like a little bit of converge and some of those kind of elements kind of mixed in, I guess. Okay. Like I see them coming more out of like a grind sort of place. Um, I know the main dude kind of claims that he's sort of more of like a punk rock guy. Um, yeah. It's kind of controversial. He's kind of a jackass. I, I forget his name offhand. Um, I, I didn't write that's, it. That's another one of like the interviews I've seen. I'm not really impressed. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah like the attitude, um, bro attitude thing is like, fuck you, man. Yeah, he's he's kind of a dick for sure. Um, I I will say that um, the records held up pretty well for me. But again, okay. I was listening to him kind of more from like a grind perspective. Yeah, I never I really thought that, about it that way. So that's an interesting. Interesting. I, I go back perspective. and listen to kind of his Napalm records a little bit or early Napalm records, and I think like you might you I don't know. Like I was rereading like um, what Albert wrote about unsilent death in the the top 100 and he kind of said like this almost does a better job than scum did of merging siege and celtic frost and i was like okay that's you know i i i see the siege a little bit more and and stuff i I have to maybe like find the celtic frost a little bit more than well the celtic frost is in the 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 hook and yeah. I will not follow. Yeah, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's one note different than you know. Yep, yep. Dethroned Emperor. Yep, 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 yep. So, but again, I think it's more more Siege and less HM2. So maybe okay. like try try it from that angle, I guess. But 
you know, again, I don't pull Nails records out that much, but then I don't pull Grind stuff out very much unless it's like Napalm, Carcass, um, Repulsion. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of the early Grind stuff is, is like my sweet spot or even like stuff up to like Nausum. Um Yeah, I mean, if I I'm going to listen to Grind, I'm going to pull out like Terrorizer. Yeah, uh, Terrorizer. The first sure. two Brutal Truth records, yep. like yep. That, that type of shit, so... Yeah, like, new, new Grind doesn't really, doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's tough, Pig, Pig yeah. Destroyer, like, you know, up until a certain point. I was going to say, Pig Destroyer is, like, an exception for me. I, I actually, I don't pull the new ones out as much, but when I do listen to them and I, like, remind myself, it, that's kind of, like, more, like, the mantra where I'm, like, you know, I got to listen to that new Pig Destroyer again, and I'm always, like, oh, yeah, I do like this. But then yeah. I don't pull them out as much as, like, their first, like, four. You know, yeah, I'll go back and ones. listen to, like, Prowler or something is much more, like, yeah, I listen Normal to you know, Prowler and, and the, the two that follow it probably the, the most. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting you brought up Brutal Truth because I'm going to bring up Brutal Truth uh, a little bit later, probably in talk set number three, actually, because um, I have some thoughts on that. But, yeah, I think listen to Nails from, like, maybe more of, like, the from enslavement kind of like that kind of angle, and, and you might get more out of it, you know. Yeah. So um, the thing that was kind of interesting about You Will Never Be One of Us is that was the uh, record that had, like, I think it was the last song on it that was like eight minutes long and it was kind of like a cool curveball I, I thought like that they finally did like a song that like was longer over two than minutes <laughs> two, three minutes yeah yeah exactly so um so you picked out nails and then another one that you you grabbed um that i think this is the band that we probably disagree the most on yeah i, I would say. um and, and that's that's fine so i guess <clears throat> Um, this was the number two record. So Death Heaven was number three. I think Unsilent Death was in the top ten. I think it was like number nine, maybe. Um, okay. So we're kind of we're hammering on some of these these pretty high ranking ones, you know, Carcass included. Um, but number two was uh, was Chemist uh, ha- uh, Hunted, um, which is their second record. Yeah, yeah. second record. So. Um, I wrote some thoughts down on it, but I know that this is maybe a band that kind of seems to not like gel with you as much. Um, well, the thing is, that they've yeah. got like all the hallmarks that I should like them. I know that's what it's I like was fantasy like, stuff and was, like, you know, writing all this stuff down. epic like, heavy metal. But I was like, I just I can't. I just don't like it. Like it's, it's so the vo- I really don't like the vocals. The vocals okay. remind me of like uh, third tier like Mastodon or something like it just does not do anything for me at all and everything else is, is kind of like if they were a live local band I would think cool but I'm going to put more scrutiny on stuff that is like hyped and in like you know in the top 10 yeah. lists okay. all right. so I'm, I was putting the scrutiny on it that like it's not what is this doing that hasn't okay. been done by like Candlemass or half a dozen other you know sure better bands some of that yeah I think I think yeah you got Candlemass in there um i think the band that's like sneaky that's in there and and depending on your level of patience because i'm asking a lot out of you and have telling you to go back and listen to a deaf heaven i get that that's maybe a a step too far um here the things that i kind of was grabbing out of this as i was kind of like refocusing is a lot of thin lizzy a lot of like kind of that the twin lead thing yeah yeah but like warm and loose you know it didn't seem like calculate it as much um like to me like um a band that's doing this that like i i I don't mind them i think i own one of the records but it's definitely something i don't go and and like listen to much is like spirit adrift um to me they're they're like i put them in the same boat 
but see that like they don't they they uh, everything you just said I could say I agree with with Spirit of the Drift, but to me, chemists okay. like rises like above a lot of that. Like yeah. they don't play on the cliches. I also hear a lot like of Sirathon Ghoul, like early Man of War too, like that sort of fantasy doom kind of thing. Um, and so I again, I know you haven't gotten into like the early Man of War stuff as much, um, but like you're kind of starting to you know you, you really have embraced like Sirathon Ghoul and Manila Road and, and some of that and. Um, but what they're missing is they don't have. There's nothing weird about them. Like everything's played really well. I hear what you're saying it's yeah, recorded really well. Like there's no, there's You're nothing weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they need a drummer that can barely play, and then they would probably be a great band. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. To me, you're right. <laughs> if, if that's your argument, Chemist is sort of like a Frankenstein monster that's like well put together, right? They yeah, it's have, like good looking, and all the scars like go away, and like yeah, yeah. Okay. But that's 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 my thing. Like if you if you like. King Crimson, you can all be great musicians, but you write weird music. But if you're all really good musicians and you write just like normal music we've heard before, but it's played really well, it's like it, it, it's one of those things where I'm holding them to a different standard, I think, too. And see, I guess when I hear – I went back and re-listened to Hunt It, and I listened to it like twice all the way through, and mm-hmm. I was like th- – it held up really well. I, their first and third, I don't pull those out very much, but I was like, I'll, I'll spend some time with this record seems to be the one that gets the the attention and yeah um i to me i love some of those vocal hooks i don't know like it, i get like um it's too samey to me really yeah. this, did you listen to candlelight because candlelight's the one where they actually start pulling um a lot of the the death stuff back in and mixing it up with some of like the vocal hook things like the clean hooks yeah, to just, me, that was, that I just really didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, just so something think, about it, man. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like I, like the I like their like the the visuals and stuff with their whole little you know fantasy story thing going on. Yeah, but, is that like uh, who is that artist? Do you know him? I'm not sure, but I I I think I've drawn twice for Decibel, so I always like pull stuff out of the cover art because I like drawing you know wizards yeah. and shit. So. Well, that's good. At least yeah. you, it's like you get. And they're you not, get, you know, they're not, they're not bad by any stretch. They just don't really do anything for me. I can, I, I get that. And especially you going back and like spending a lot of time with those sort of fantasy doom records. Yeah. Lately, maybe like you get your fill there. You know what I mean? And and I get that. Yeah. Like, I wish, you know. I wish their vocalist was like more weird. Like he didn't sing very good, but not <laughs> like like he, but he, but you know, he did like you know, like Tim from. Uh, Sir Thungul, he has like an un, like unmistakable yes. sound to his yeah. voice. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard, I, listened to the new record or not, but he even does I like a little it, yeah. uh, spoken in, or like a actually sung intro that's not like his rasp thing. And he can he can sing. Got it. Yeah, so, but it's like great that like I need something weirder. I need like you know Mark the Shark Sheldon, you know, with his nasal fucking thing and sure. yeah, like there's something about. That especially that type of this reminds me of like I'm mean, way to put it where it makes some type of sense, but it's like these guys don't seem like the diehards that put in all their all the time into it. They're like the suburban kids that ended up, you know, being an epic metal band or whatever. Got it. It's just miss. It's like missing something, missing but some kind of like scratches or you know rougher on the edges. Not to be too like self reflective, but is I like. Are we that though too? You know, coming from like coming from sort of like comfortable sort of middle class affluence or whatever. You know, um, 
like if we started a band would it sound like chemists you know what i mean like it, you know probably not but um yeah you know maybe if chris and i started this band, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think the thing like because the, the bands i'm drawn to the most always have a component of that's 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 atypical yeah there's like some part of it that it shouldn't work but it works or like they they're playing within you know just at the edge of their limitations which you know fucking make a t-shirt about that that's how many times i say it but yeah no you're but there's like these guys are they're good they're but it's not it just doesn't do anything for me at all it's just like if somebody really loves watching you know the bachelor or whatever it might be like they really enjoy it for whatever it might be but i just don't care i just can't get into it i can appreciate that you like it and that there it has value but it it just doesn't do anything for me i get that it's kind of seems um maybe you know chemists is like like vocally and again it's not because i think that they're the same but like i hear like kind of um some jeff tateisms and and not because i think they sound like queens right but in the same way that like jeff tate or maybe like some of the guys for like um uh fate's warning or some of those bands probably don't do much for you whereas like yeah. i can get into them maybe the vocal and they're really great vocals right like mm-hmm. we can like you can objectively say like Jeff Tate's a fucking talented vocalist, but like yeah. he's not for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and and I get that. Like you know, um, like these guys to me seem like a like a band, like an entry level band. Like like the kids, like people of their generation, are really shit. into the band, and that yeah. gets you into that's totally cool. But I'm yeah. an old guy that's listened to a ton of shit, sure. and I'd rather yeah. use my time to listen to the new Surf on Gold than. Yeah, yeah, to, okay. to listen to this or whatever. Yeah, they're kind of like a doom band for the 2010s. And yeah. if that's the case, like, I get why they rank so high because they, in a lot of ways, like, them and, like, Paul Bear kind of define a big trend of the last 10 years. You know, yeah. and maybe it's not a trend that's necessarily attractive to p- people that are older, like... You know, I like, like those, I like those Paul Bear, at least the first two Paul Bear records a lot. They're great. Yeah. I, I went back and listened, and I would actually say that I think... Right now, objectively, I think I like this chemist record better than the Paul Bearer stuff. Really? Uh, yeah. I like I said the 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 stuff at the end of Candlelight, like the leads and like to me, it's a guitar record. And I think I like the vocals are there and like they're fine. I like them. There's some cool hooks. Um, I really dig the hook at like the three minute mark uh, mm-hmm. where the death doom kind of scream comes back in. Yeah. I think that's pretty pretty awesome. But like. From like the 520 mark on, like the last couple minutes of this record is just it's like fucking it's it's like uh the end of Emerald from like Thin Lizzy or something. It's just like got that kind of vibe to me where it's like just you're in the pocket, like they're these guys are just kind of like playing together and, and really find their kind of groove or whatever. But but again, like knowing some of your resistance to things, you know, with with sometimes too clean of vocals or whatever like i i can see everything where, is like the production's super clean too yeah maybe it's maybe it's just like too like you said i i was gonna maybe also compare it in a way to like um you know there's like an artistry to like the marvel movies but like in a lot of ways they're like almost like so constructed for like a mass audience that like yes. i know that you have <laughs> sort of you know like that's something that like is a hurdle that's tough for for you at times i think you yeah. have some exceptions you make some of those movies you know for what they're worth but um sure but I yeah i, I, I don't go back and revisit a lot of that stuff like it seems 
Yeah, like I'm starting to feel like what my dad felt like, you know, taking me to movies in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, like, you know, he's like, no, you can go watch Temple of Doom by yourself because I don't want to watch that shit. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's just, it's not, it's not made for you anymore. And that's fine. Yeah. But I think no matter what era you're in, good songwriting, still, that's like a universal, good storytelling, good filmmaking, all that stuff is there. Sure. And I, I, I can accept it, but I don't have to enjoy it. Yeah. And you don't go back, <laughs> you don't go back to it as much and which I, I kind of get, you know? Yeah. So like so. I, I've kind of like, if it's something, it depends on what it is too. You know, if it's an older band that has a, you know, a more proven track record, I'm, I'm more apt to give it a more of a go like, or if something about it, like pulls me in more, but just nothing about it really did anything for me. It was just like, it was, yeah. it's good. It's just sure. not for me. Yeah. Well, if you're ever in the mood to, and, and you know, like challenge yourself i hunt it's interesting you know it's worth yeah. worth a, a, a revisit but they're super nice guys and i think i sold the art to them or something too there you from, go. There from you decibel go. so nothing against them it's just doesn't do it's sure. just not for me yeah and it's interesting like this how um and sometimes i've thought about this like i have to um you know, i have to kind of like live like sometimes like a dual life because there's like my realist self that's like probably when I'm like with you and Chris and in that kind of group and then there's like the teacher group that I have to sort of sell myself to mm-hmm. because those guys are not into anything that I'm really into yeah. like directly they indirectly they are like they there's a crossover with like TV shows that like will kind of like and like the Marvel movies are like the one movies that I can go and like watch with like that whole group of friends like that I teach with you know yeah not be miserable yeah and not be miserable and I can't get that group of friends like most of them don't like horror movies so like on occasion I can get like one of that group to like watch horror movies but like you know Becker who's a good friend of mine he hates horror movies his wife loves him who's a good artist friend <laughs> of mine um, so her and I will go and watch things and enjoy them but like for the most part like it, it just isn't going to happen. So yeah, it's like they're like uh, Marvel movies and some of that stuff is like the middle of that Venn diagram of my life. Yeah. So like they are what they are. But I get it. you don't have to like compromise because you're able to like exist in sort of your you know your kind of friend group that like kind of all not they all but you know what I'm saying like has more of like the views on the one side of the Venn diagram that like I also exist in you know yeah also I don't I, I often don't ever try to like suggest stuff to people because I know you you enjoy doing that and it's you know oftentimes sure. it's uh it's 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 good like I I don't I don't really have that that's not like part of my personality so if I'm I, I kind of just can exist like in other groups and don't ever been if somebody mentions something then i can you know like oh yep. you like you know like rush like oh, let's talk about rush for 45 minutes yeah whereas i'm more aggressive with that stuff um yeah because of like i think the the field i'm in you know i'm constantly like rapping with you know high school kids and you know like you got to get people interested in stuff so you can be like okay where's their entry point okay this might be something you might be into and yeah i totally get that and the teacher's lounge is like sort of this like weird place. Like uh, I'm gonna get, I'll give you kind of some like interesting insight that I, 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 I know you're not you're not a big Richard Linklater fan, but um, I, I I really dig his stuff, and he's very acquired for sure. And he has kind of a spiritual sequel movie called Everybody Wants Some um, to Days and Confused. Yeah, and there's this like scene, and it's a group of guys that are all like living together, and they're all baseball. players 
players freshman year. Like it's about his freshman year into college, and it's basically like kind of a frat house, but they're all baseball players at like a university in 1980 in Texas. And um, the guy is talking on the phone to uh, a girl who's also, I think, a, a freshman or, or whatever, and it's Leah Thompson's daughter. She's a cool actress. I've seen her in some other things too, but um. And he he's sort of pontificating. The movie gets pretty philosophical at certain points, which kind of sneaks up on you. And he kind mm-hmm. of says that like, he says what's really interesting about living in a house of like guys is like everybody's trying to out clever each other at all times, and it's like this ranking system of like everybody's trying to kind of one up each other with like either disses or like cleverness or like jokes and other things. And I feel like that's what like my group of I friends that I teach with are like our group chat is just like an out clever <laughs> like and it really cap and when I saw that movie I was like I was it hit me like a ton of bricks I was like wow that is that world that I live in sometimes when I'm around those guys and it can be exhausting like it's not always oh, yeah. me no but yeah um, you're able to I think traverse different worlds better than I can yeah like in that inv- that kind of environment I would just kind of like fall back into the furniture and yeah. not really interact very much and it's not I'm, I don't necessarily like it like I said but like I can survive in it because like it's kind of like kill or be killed. Like when we're up north at like, like the cabin um, that we go to at the end of the school year, it's all of us, and it's just like trying to like out clever each other and be funny and and whatever. And it's just like and and it's even like how like I have to put together my playlist for up north. Like I'm trying to get reactions out of those other guys, <laughs> and it's like that's how you like rate your sort of like worth. And it's so fucking strange, but like yeah. But, like, I, I, I'm, like, self-aware enough that, like, I don't let it get to me because, like, sometimes I can, like, eject from it. Like, some – I can tell there's some of those – the guys, I won't name names, but, like, some of them that, like, they gain too much of their worth from that. And, like, I don't spend much time in the teacher's lounge because I host, like, Survivor Lunch where kids come and eat in my room and watch Survivor. And so I don't go – in the teacher's lounge, except maybe sometimes after school or whatever. Yeah. Where a lot of those guys, they go in between every class and it's like five minutes for them to just like rip on each other and whatever. And that's fine. I'm just usually getting shit ready for my next class. It's just like, I don't have time for that. And I'm always like enamored of like how they are able to like pull that off a daily. And well, for them, like, they're, they're like, they it's like a sports thing. Yeah. Cause that's I, like, I, like my dad, when I see him interact with other guys that are, you know, of his era, you know, he's 75. They're like ripping and making fun of each other, but yeah. he grew up, you know, like sports was how you had friends. <laughs> it's yeah, it's no. shit, like, I, I was never into sports. I hated group activities yep. because and I was I, like painfully shy and, yeah. you know, fucking yep. sensitive kid and shit. So, and I played sports, but I didn't like, like I didn't really like, I didn't like organized baseball. Cause there was like too much of that bullshit going on. So yeah. I kind of got and, like, for me, I found my, like, vibe with, like, cross-country because we were all, like, kind of the nerdy outcast people. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I have the competitive streak in me for sure, but it's, like, a different kind of, like, it's more subdued and, and not so, like, jockey, I guess, you know? Yeah, I think everybody, like, especially if you're doing something you really, like, you care about, like, you know, like, with an art or, you know, I'm I'm competitive with other artists, but not in a, not in a sense, like, yeah, not in that athletic sense where I want to be, like take jobs away from them or something but sure. in the sense of like oh shit that guy's doing something really cool i need to be like up my game or you know i'm really slacking or you know they turn me on to a different thing or whatever it might be 
But there's probably, would you say there's a language amongst artists that's like similar to what I was talking about with like sort of, you know, groups of teachers or, or whatever that like is like your own kind of private, it's like only you guys would understand like the sort of um, one-upsmanship and kind of passive aggressive things that are sort of happening in those conversations, whereas like an outsider like myself wouldn't know what's really happening or... Is that no, no, just- I mean, there's it depends because there's um, it's different with the younger generation of people like uh, guys in their 20s. And so I, I just did this mural for a restaurant in uh, Midtown Detroit. And I would say most everybody else that was there was in their late 20s, early 30s. OK. And everybody was super positive and talkative. And when I'm doing that type of stuff, I'm I kind of don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to do my shit and get out of there. And I was, I felt kind of like a dickhead because guys were like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? Coming up and trying to like talk a little bit. And I was just like, oh, good, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a, oh, are we getting another call? Are you there? Yeah. Did it crap out for oh. a second? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Oh, we're still going. <laughs> okay. Did you, uh, did you stop recording? I did. Then I just started recording again. Oh, okay. All right. Well, technical difficulties aside, I guess my last comment about that is um it's interesting i think that's why we're best friends because amongst my friend group i like that like my teacher friend group i'm the one that stays in my classroom and just like when it's teacher time like like i'm all in Mm -hmm. and when it's like bullshit time like sure i'm all in there but like i don't chit chat in between classes with like the teachers and like go out in the hallways and like I'll chit chat with the kids as they're entering my room but I'm usually like writing on the board or like getting up something like technology ready or you know what I'm saying like switching yeah. gears and I'm always like amazed and like how does everyone else have time to like go out and like like sometimes like I'll notice that they sit in the teacher's lounge until the bell rings and so like <laughs> like then they're like taking their time walking back to class and class has already started and to me like that doesn't vibe with me like I'm there to I'm there to like kick ass do you know what I mean like and I'm not saying I do it every day or that I'm at the top of my game on a daily basis but I'd say like I, I have a pretty good average you know and you're, you're, um, I think you're like results oriented too like like we both like like having projects to yeah. do like and having like a reason to do things not just it seems like just uh, doing like meaningless small talk is like a waste of everybody's time and that's yeah and a lot of people probably see me and i've always known this like as standoffish or like cold sometimes when it comes to that stuff but it's just because i'm so like purpose driven like that was one of the reasons why i had to quit track Mm -hmm. like i was so driven to like make sure that that's like ship stayed afloat that like it was like stressing it was hurting me like you know like I was not happy and I noticed the some of the other people I coached with were just bullshitting at practice all the time and like laughing and blah blah and I was like I was looking around like stressed all the time and watching these guys laugh constantly and being like wait something's wrong with this equation (laughs) why am I so stressed about this like they need to either take some of the stress off of me or I need to like disengage from this because it's not good for me you know yeah, what i mean like yeah and that's ultimately what i, I did um granted it only lasted a week um because tracks basically canceled but uh, <laughs> so hey but i had one week to myself where i wasn't coaching so i felt pretty good about that but but anyways so yeah interesting uh interesting kind of side conversation on that but i think it it is pretty fascinating how like 
especially like male sort of work. And, and you and I have talked about that in like a metal sense. Like mm-hmm. when I'm at metal shows, like I look around, I'm like, oh man, like I'm not, I don't think I'm like most of these people. And, um, you know, I'm not there for the same reasons that maybe they are, whether it's like moshing or, you know, whatever, like it's yeah. just, or drunk and whatever, like, it's just not, it's, it's, I have different goals and, and they sometimes don't align with like what is like usually expected in the, those kind of situations. And yeah, I think the, the social, ex- yeah, like most of the time at shows, I like to just go off by myself and just not think about anything and just zone out, you know, yeah. watch the show yeah. and like. When I stand next to each other, but we're not like trying to like chit chat. Like I, I'm always annoyed when like people like I might have a comment or something, you sure. know, or whatever. Like I've seen people like talk through like entire concerts or whatever. And well, just, like, Chris is really good at that, but I think he can read lips because I can't fucking understand anything anybody's saying. <laughs> yeah, I have to like I have to get like. I have to break social distancing. I have to basically like lean in into like somebody's ear, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And it's not, that's not comfortable. For, I just like, I've been introduced by so many, I've been at a show with Chris and he like introduced me to somebody while a band's playing. I can't hear what he's saying. I just like kind of wave and then just like, okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah. Awkwardly. Yeah. But yeah, he's a, he's way better at, you know, creating, yeah. you know, connections and all that shit. But yeah. So, but anyways, let's get back to some music. Actually. Yeah, so we've got uh, the aforementioned Luna from Ber- uh, New Bermuda from Deaf Heaven. Uh, we've got I Will Not Follow from Unsilent Death from Nails, followed by Life is a Death Sentence from Nails, You Will Never Be One of Us. Um, <laughs> a grand total of three minutes between those two songs. Um, then we've got Candlelight uh, from Chemist from the Hunt It record. And then we're going to end with a full of hell song called Crawling Back to God from the Trumpeting Ecstasy.
of cosmic torment that once made him wonder if matter was Lucifer upward and looking back to his god. And yet now he knew better. God from Full of Hell, Candlelight from Chemist, Life is a Death Sentence, and I Will Not Follow from Nails, and we started things off with Luna from Death Heaven. I always want to call him Death Haven for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Whenever I look at the name, I want to say Death Heaven, Death Haven or something. I don't know. It's weird. Um, so that last tune there, that was one I picked. Um, you know, I, I feel like I was I was picking on you a little bit with those last couple bands. Um, but these last, these last couple are kind of two that I sort of like force myself to like look at because they were sort of like uh, i don't want to say anomalies on the list but like i've never seen full of hell live and i've just been told that maybe like that's the missing ingredient for mm-hmm. them is that they're supposed to be like a really amazing live band uh, um i just don't get the hype like i listened to the record and i was like okay but the whole time i was listening to it and maybe this is where like you are with like chemists i just like this sounds like brutal truth if they were like maybe like on Hydra Head um, yeah there's, like, there's definitely like some pig destroyerisms especially like the, the opening of the song it sounds like something off of uh, is it Prowler that has all those little intro pieces or is that um, yeah it's it's Prowler and the one after it that has it um, I can't the Jennifer was going to the blah 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 like yeah the computer yeah. voice shit <laughs> well the whole record starts with a, a Werner Herzog sample which is cool yeah you know, like they seem like they seem like big fans of music, and I know they put out a lot of records and stuff. But this record got like a ton of hype, and they were on the cover of Decibel. And um, I think I did the lead illustration for this too. You probably did, yeah. And I just never, I never really, I never picked this up. I never, and I just thought like I saw it on the countdown. I can't remember what number, but um, I was like, oh, 
should that be there? Maybe I, I should kind of spend some time like trying to like figure this record out and see if it's if it's me or if it's them. And it, I think it ranked at number thirty eight. And um, you know, I guess in this decade, I, I would just like rather listen to like End Time from Brutal Truth in the twenty tens or like yeah. any of the other stuff if I was in the mood to listen to this kind of stuff. Um, you know, they kind of came out of like. I don't know if you knew this, but they sort of came out of like noise sort of background. I think their first record they did with like Merzbau, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the problems with like modern grind to me. It's like mixed in too many like noise elements where it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. Because what I loved about grind was the speed, like how short everything was, how fast everything was how hooky it was, but also how, like, it just pummeled the shit out of you, too. Yeah, you got, like, the the money riff with, like, Terrorizer or Napalm or, you know. Brutal Truth. All those terrible. early, Brutal like, truth, yeah. you know, the, the Extreme Conditions record is fucking amazing. Yeah, like, Need to Control has, like, hooks galore. You know? Yeah, like, that's what I want out of grind. Like, all the grind I liked had hooks. And then, like, with, with like, Nazem or... Uh, I think Nazem had some, too. Because they were Swedish, so they, they did, some- but they were like getting a little more modern, so they were like had more dissonance to it. Sure. Like they were like what Napalm was doing, you know, kind of at the time too. And it's like it's just it's okay, but it's just not doing as much for me like that shit in the early '90s did. It's tough because I think grind is like grind's like punk rock in terms of like if you're talking authentic punk rock, like both those genres to me are like young people's games in a sense. They don't last. It's just like like original like hardcore punk. It yeah. maybe lasted five years. It's, maybe it's like hard. bands would be like three records or something. Well, yeah, it's hard to be that angry for that long, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. What I mean? and and that's kind of like the issue. Um, you know, what I mean, that's kind of the issue that like, I, I have with some of that. And I'm not saying, you know, I think Full of Hell still seems like it. It's got some some vigor to it. You know, Crawling sure. to Gods. Uh, you know, that was one of the songs that stood out to me when I was listening to Trumpeting and Ecstasy. And objectively, it's not like a bad band. It's just like a band that I've never. It's never like connected with me. Um, maybe like Nails with you or something. You know, it's yeah. just kind of like I don't know. Uh, did you did you ever get much into this record when it came out? I know I heard you. I think I've drawn I've drawn them twice. So it was um, I usually get when I do those I get the promos, and I just kind of like sped through it. And it, it was just a lot of like noise elements, a lot of things that were like okay, like if, if they're like a great live band, that's that's cool. But have you seen them live? I, I have no, no. They're because they're they'd probably be a headliner. And okay. I I wouldn't go see them, but no, no. Yeah. But they're not like most of the band. Even it's reverting back to like the people I care about seeing are usually the opening acts again, even yeah. though some of the bands are thirty years old. <laughs> I know. But yeah, yeah they no. they never really did a whole lot for. I mean, I I respect that they're trying to push the genre forward or whatever, and you know, to do their thing. But they're like pretty young kids, and I'm not really identifying with any of it. I think when I when I first uh, heard of the band, I was hoping they would sound a lot more. Like- like Wolverine Blues era um, in tune. Well, I know. I think that's the name came from. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, because the the first time I drew them, I I put basically put them as the press photo from Wolverine Blues with like the CBS Sports hat on that Nikki had and shit. And so maybe I blame you because you put <laughs> in my brain that like I was going to get more like of the Black Breath kind of thing out of this or something. Not, not at all. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, not a bad record. I know they have a lot of fans out there. Not sure if our, our Patreons are, are fans of Full of Hell or not, but um, it's just one that just never. And, and again, even in going back, like it's still like something I, 
I didn't like rediscover it the way like say I did with um, New Bermuda from Deaf Heaven where I was yeah. like oh I, find, I get this record now um, and then speaking of that another band that sort of like I own some of this stuff and I was like I was looking at it and I go man this is a band that has two records in the top 40 for the whole decade um, and I have three of the records and so I was like what's up with Yob um, you know what's the, what's the deal here what am I not getting because I, I objectively I like I like Yob sometimes when I yeah. put them on, but then other times I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it's like for me. And so I decided to like listen to both clearing the path to ascend. And um, that was number 39. And then the other record was uh, our raw heart, which I think was album of the year last year or in 2018. It was uh, for, for decibel. It was number one. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't, I didn't really care that much about the record, but it had a good story behind it. Yeah, man, the survival of this band, um, you know, the he had like three three like life threatening situations or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember if it was like some kind of like uh what what exactly the illness was or disease or whatever, but yeah, it was pretty miraculous that he came through it and could still, you know. Yeah, it was Mike, made it Mike through it, but Shite, I think is his name, Shit. S S C H E I D T. Yeah, and there's like a, I think Vice did a thing where they're interviewing him out, and he's like from Pacific Northwest. He's a real interesting guy, and you know, insightful and everything. But just when I hear the music, I'm just like, okay. Well, so here's what happened for me because it's the same thing that kind of happened with with Death Heaven. Um, I finally figured out Yab, and I, I kind of like, I, what did I write down? I wrote some sort of notes somewhere. Um. Basically, like, it's it's like a new neurosis. And, like, what what sort of happens with me with neurosis, and I don't know if you've recognized this, but it seems like every, like, 100 episodes or so of, like, doing the podcast, <laughs> I'll, like, someday, like, I'll finally, like, really spend some time with, like, a neurosis record and just, it's either driving long distances or headphones. And, like, that's what neurosis is supposed to be. Like, neurosis is not a super digestible band. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and so it took me some, like, you know, spins to get it. But like, if the mood strikes like Yob, like these two records, I couldn't stop listening to them the last few days. And I was like, fuck, like it finally hit me. And so now that you've got your kind of noise canceling headphones, just, you know, put these records on, you know, when you get a chance, like, I, I think this will be less obtrusive than like death. Heaven, um, I, I, I think I think you're a, you're a neurosis guy. It, it, yeah. mood spikes. Uh, but again, you and I don't listen to neurosis on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like no, but I think I like the I was when I was re-uploading stuff again. I was looking back and I was like, oh shit, we did that. I really enjoyed doing that Sun that never sets episode because we yeah. talked for fucking ever about that record. It's great, yeah. But it's like cool. that. That's like a destination thing. It's yep. not passive listening. Yes, I agree, and that's what I would say about these two records um is like that's what kind of hit me in the the end like yeah it's got some like kind of doom things um yeah it's it's kind of in the same it it walks in the same realms maybe as like the other paul bearers or some of those kind of bands but i think that yob is doing something like way different um you know i I hear like a lot of trypticon and like celtic frost uh sort of stuff going on with these guys too like that's something I think you'll pick up on if you spend some time on headphones, like just kind of listen for those, like those kind of 
later day Celtic riffs and you'll be like, oh shit, this is like kind of has that same kind of weight and oppressiveness that some of those records have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what job fans are like hearing. You know, I think that's what like people like you and I who didn't like sit down and like really try and crack those records weren't really getting. Yeah. Is like we would be like, oh, the, you know, some of the riffs are cool. The, the singing doesn't really bother me too much compared to some of the newer Doom kind of stuff. But like when we hear Nothing to Win, which is from uh, Clearing the Path to Ascend, the, the sort of final final song we'll sort of head out with here today. Um, like that, that was like a perfect merger in a way of, of like the neurosis kind of elements mixed with some of that like kind of more black metal, like kind of dark frost kind of triptychon sort of stuff happening and um i don't know like i was i was floored and i was like this is this is why chris likes funeral doom because he gets to sit in an office all day and fucking like type and listen to these like aimlessly <laughs> long records that take like hours to like kind of you know comprehend and, and things like that and like i have like like I said, five minutes between class, you know, and even then, like kids are coming in. I'm not really listening to that sort of stuff, and so or like ten minutes to drive to school or whatever. But yeah, yeah. And even then, I'm usually like listening to NPR. Like that's my because I don't like to turn on the TV and watch news anymore because it just well yeah pre quarantine it just it's just like oppressive. So I just try and read articles or listen to a little NPR to get like you know like good informed updates on some things. So yeah, I don't listen to as much music in my car like some people do, and um. You know, my Bluetooth speaker in the bathroom that I, like, listen to in the shower, um, it's shitty. So I just listen to podcasts because yeah. the music sounds terrible on it. You know what I mean? So it's like, damn. So I really have to, like, go out of my way if I'm going to, like, get into something like Deaf Heaven or Yob or even Neurosis. I have to be like, okay, I've got to set aside, like, an hour or i got to be driving up to, like, visit my mom, like, two-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah. And then I can, like, really listen to that stuff. But now, under the quarantine... I got all this time. Maybe I can finally start to understand more like long, aimless doom and funeral doom shit. So yeah, go for walks and fucking, you know, digest yeah. the record and shit that I listened yeah. to. I made a playlist for all this stuff in Spotify and just listen to it when I walk the dog today. Cool. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So that's, that's the right way. But I, I would say, listen to the whole, like those two Yob records and they're, you know, when you're in the mood, but I think you're in more in the mood than you would think because I think the Triptychon sort of stuff is there that I never picked up on before. Okay. And I'm curious if you hear it too. That's the, I'm, I might be crazy, but it like. Has- well, I only heard the one song. The nothing to win is what I and it was mostly. I was hearing a lot of neurosis. A lot of neurosis in that song. Yep. I think on the newer one, our our raw heart, um, mm-hmm. that's got like more of that kind of emotional, you know, like Triptychon or even like later day Celtic Frost, like it kind of taxes you a little bit in a good way. Yeah, like yeah. it feels like you, you really got like, you know, or even like some of the stuff paradise loss has been doing the last couple of records. Like there's a few songs there where you're like, damn, you know, this, this kind of, this beat me up a little bit. And yeah. uh, that's how I felt with those jobs. I was like, okay, I get why. Like for some people, this could be like a record where if I was like younger and in the mood, I'd be like, man, this is a deep record. And like this, like this is a record I kind of like emotionally connect to. Cause I think if you allow yourself, it like, it, I kind of started to do that a bit. And so now I'm like, fuck, I'm a Yob fan now. So, you know, I was getting, I was getting a bunch yeah. of high end fire vibes from it too. For sure. They have a lot of that as well. Like yep. riff wise. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. You know, when they, they, they're, they're almost more dynamic sometimes than neurosis with some of the guitar work. Um, and that's where, like, I think, yeah, the high on fire stuff. But then you think about, like, you know, where Pike came out of with Sleep. Like, again, 
you know what I mean? Like that's that's inside of him somewhere. Some of yeah. those kind of elements too. And so I thought that was kind of cool. So so I was happy to do this. It was kind of fun, like to actually force myself to like challenge whether or not some of these records like still held up. You know, I knew like some of the records you you weren't going to be as into, and I was like, well, I I want to have like a good counter argument if I have one, or yeah. we're just going to both agree that like some stuff like full of hell just doesn't really it's just not for us or even nails like i wasn't like passionately like be like oh i gotta like prove mark wrong like i was like oh these are good but i think again if you listen to it more as like a grind record i think Mm -hmm. you might actually like dig it a little bit more if you're in the mood for like newer grind shit which sounds like you and i are not generally in the mood for newer. i mean like if i'm gonna go listen to a napalm death record i listen to harmony corruption gotcha you know, like yeah. I, I'm very like I've got a certain unless I'm in a, a mood where I want to do a, a full discography. You're gonna go through, yeah. You know, yeah. retread or something where I'll like listen to most stuff. But like even if you look at my Napalm record collection, it ends at Utopia Banished. Oh no shit! Okay, because everything else is fine, but I never feel an urge to go back and listen to it. What about that? Uh, the Napalm in the late <clears throat> '90s. They're sort of comeback record, like the Enemy of Music Business. Yeah, it's fine, but it's not. I think after, um, fuck, I totally forgot his name now. After uh, Jesse died. Jesse was on that record, though, I think. I think Jesse Was he? Died. Yeah, I think Jesse died in, like, uh, mid-2000s. I think, 04, 05, somewhere around there. Okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't uh, his death, but the. I think that Mitch was writing more because, you know, he had pretty bad alcoholism. For sure. It didn't seem like his, his uh, voice was coming through as much. And yeah, like and like Utopia, everybody was like, "Hey, we're fresh new guys. Let's <laughs> let's see what we can do." Yeah, I just posted on the countdown two days ago, "Unfit Earth" from Harmony, and I was just kind of saying, like, if if you were like a grindcore purist, that song was like like a nightmare. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it was like catchy death metal. You had Glenn Benton and John Tardy on vocals uh, guesting. Yeah. It was like uh, all the fucking like panic that grindcore people had came true in that song. I was like, oh, oh shit. Even back in the day, a lot of people thought that was like a sellout record. Oh, it's funny. But it's like, god damn, that record's so fucking good, and it's the last one with uh, with Mick, or, uh, Mitch Harris on it. Or not Mitch, Mick yeah. Harris. Yeah, with Mick. Yeah, Mick, great on that. God and he's damn. just like so, like right after that, he just went to, you know, do Scorn. Right. But yeah. I was like, that's the last, that's the last magical Napalm record to me. I, I could see that, yeah. You know, that's the... It's like the end yep. of an era kind of thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, the Mick Harris era. Yep. And I appreciate what they're doing now, but it's just like, that's the stuff that makes me feel like I'm, you know, 14, year old, 14 years old again is going back and listening to Harmony Corruption. Well, it's weird, too, because the perception of death metal was so strange then, too. Um, yeah. Like, I was going back looking at... Um, I was, just, I was trying to cull, like, any resources I could to find, like, old Rotting Christ interviews for this kind of Hellenic thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I found um, an interview that Sockus did with uh, Metallion in that Slayer kind of collection. Yeah. And half of the questions were about, like, you're not going to do, like, trendy death metal. And, like, that was, like, half the questions in that interview were, like, slagging on <clears throat> death metal so bad. And I was, like... I guess I death metal was such an outsider music for me until like I got into it that like I never thought of death metal as like sellout music. It's just so weird. I was like, there yeah, was a time. It was a really different time where like people felt like 
death metal had, was starting to peak too much. And I was like, it never, it never popped my bubble in my group of, you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. MTV and like, it wasn't on the radio. Like, yeah, it was selling more records and maybe there was like a Scott Burns kind of Florida sound or whatever. But like, it's just strange that like people just sometimes find things to like be angry about. And I was like, that's, that's the thing that like those like angry Norwegians, like not pop music. They're not pissed at like mainstream, like the shittiness of like mainstream rock or something, but they're, they're like angry that death metal is like getting a little bit more popular. Well, like, they're, seems like they're trying to play into their whole thing too, that they're the antidote to that. I guess. Yeah. But I'm you know? just like, like extreme music should just kind of stick together. I don't know. Like I, I, maybe it's cause you and I like don't really adopt like genres. We're just kind of into whatever we're into when we, that, and we don't into. like all of our, like our friend group is very diverse. We don't all look the same. We don't all like the same shit. You know, it's yeah. like we, I think we've got a, a different type of respect. We don't have, we don't have like a, um, Oh, what do you, what would you call it? Like a, uh, like we don't have a specific team. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in, we're into checking out all the teams that are good. Yeah. 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 No, I I think you nailed it. So let's, let's end on that. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good. Spot <laughs> to end. So, uh, but hopefully you've enjoyed our, our ramblings. And uh, like I said, I hope that we are, uh, we're a good distractor for the quarantine sort of stuff. Um, the biggest thing for you guys is like, I, you know, I guess I was going to you know speak to the patrons here for a moment is if you made it this far is, you know, if any of you are in kind of financial duress right now, um, you know, I, I get like Mark and I, I kind of joke that we're 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 OK, um, you know, for the most part. You know, Mark did some jobs prior. Well, I'm, I'm a, also my wife has a salary and I'm basically working yeah. on her house for a job right now. So, yeah, that was all yeah. in jest. Yeah, exactly. But I just want you, you know, if if, you know, you're struggling and, and you've got to not be be patrons for a while, like shoot me a message and just let me know that. And I'll, I'll send you the link directly to the patron shows when we post them in the down, in, down the road. If you got to take, you know, some time off, like I just want you to know, like we're, we're here. We don't do this to make money. This is not our living, you know? No. So like if people have to take a few months off because like, you know, you're reshuffling the deck, like, um, like I know Brian Wendorf who works for the, the Chicago Philharmonic. Um, they, they all lost their jobs and Jesus. You know, he put up like kind of a GoFundMe thing, um, you know, for him and his like kind of employees. And I shared that on the the patron page and stuff. And then Facebook had some weird algorithm. I don't know if you saw that, but all the GoFundMe's were getting flagged. Um, Why? And so they all got taken down. Well, because Facebook laid off some of the people who would normally do that. And so they just created like an algorithm and caught like all of them. It was something like really bizarre. I don't know. I was reading up on it. I and figured so, like, Facebook would have tried, like, had a competing thing, so they would get rid of that. But yeah, who knows? But that was the excuse Facebook gave. But, you know, Facebook is so insidious; it's hard to know like what they what's the what the truth is. Yeah. But I just want you guys to know, as patrons, like, you know, we're here to like entertain you. You guys have supported us in the past. Like, you've helped Mark and I probably purchase some music through your donations and stuff like that. And so, if we can give back to you in any sort of way, we can, you know. Like if you have like something you want us to share, uh, we'll do that, you know. But but if you can't like be a, a monthly patron for a little while, just shoot me an email. Let us know. Um, and and like I said, I'll send the link to you directly because you won't be accessing it from the the site because I think patron locks people out or whatever. Yeah. But you know, I just I just wanted to say that you know I'm sure Mark like is okay with that sentiment. I didn't really run it past you, but I was just thinking about it today and was like, 
you know, like if it's a month or two, and I, I don't think it's going to be like all the people, but if there's a couple of you that have been like, if, you, if, if you're like watching, like if you're getting ready, like your Netflix subscription and shit, like, you know, we get yeah. it. This is an era where I've been trying to pay out. Like, I've paid more attention to um, YouTube channels than I have to normal TV stations. So I've, like, gotten rid of some of my uh, subscriptions and then actually just paid people five bucks a month on Patreon instead. Like, trying to, like, the stuff that really matters to me, um, like, media-wise, like, in this day of Disney owning everything, like, I'm going to give some to this guy that repairs toys from the U.K., because it's like therapeutic to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome. You know, yeah. and I think that's what we are for people. And I don't expect there to be like a wholesale like loss of patrons. In fact, we've gained some patrons in the last couple of weeks. Um, but it, no, I, I, I appreciate you know, your sentiment for sure. And it's, it's I, I just it's I just thought like it, it should be known that like we don't we don't take this stuff personally. And this is sort of like unprecedented times for for a lot of yeah. things. And, and yeah. we're here to entertain if we can be a, like a good distractor and you can listen to us fucking ramble on for three hours about bullshit like and it makes your day better like that's i'm good with that you know like certainly mark and i getting to do this on skype like makes our day better you yeah. know what i mean like yeah i haven't to- talked to anybody except for my wife and my parents for two weeks <laughs> yeah yeah so like, i know she's getting nice. sick of me so yeah. <laughs> and so you know if and, and maybe because of that situation we'll do more frequent patron shows during the sort of quarantine period a little bit just so we can check in with each other and bullshit on a topic for a little bit it might not be yeah. as long as this one but um but again we're here we're here for that and so um you know if you can if you have free time in your quarantine and you can like get more people to like like us on itunes or share stuff like we appreciate that because really we've always just done this podcast just to sort of get the message out to the masses because we like doing this you yeah. know so, yeah it gives us an excuse to like delve deep into something that just on our own we we'd, we'd still talk about it but not as thoroughly yeah like i got to like actually enjoy a, a deaf heaven record and understand yab because of this you know what i mean yeah. like, that's what i got out of doing this is like it forced me to confront some things that like i don't know if i would have had the initiative to do where mark not challenging me to like sort of either defend or you know whatever and, and yeah. maybe mark got some of the same kind of reflective thoughts out of it or maybe he will if he you know goes and like, plays around with some of this but like it was a benefit to me you know and like mm-hmm. Same with like doing the Hellenic stuff. Like I've really gained a new sense of appreciation for some of those bands and like understood like the context of it. And we wouldn't do that if it weren't for the podcast, like on our own, we would just, we would maybe like play some shit for each other when we're hanging out and call it good. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like when we, usually when we get together face to face to do shows, we usually bullshit for about two and a half hours and then start recording. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, cool. So anyways, uh, we hope you enjoy the patron show. Um, we're going to end with nothing to win from Yab from the Clearing the Path to Ascend record from 2014. So for uh, Requiem Patreon, I am Jason. And I'm Mark. (laughs) 